Could not be more pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Matt Damon. Are you one of those Patriot fans that takes Lee in the Jets and the butt fumbling? I made the Liberace movie this year, so that's fine. (laughs) There's some butt fumbling in that movie, Just a wee little bit. (laughs) Larry David, good to see you, sir. I think a lot of writers can be offensive coordinators. What's harder? If I could write stories, why would I be able to draw up a play? He is none other than Broadway, Joe Namath. If Mark word to get the nod and if he played decently if uh if what a big word for only two letters huh <laughs> <laughs> bobby Cannavale. i told you my Derek jeter story at yankees atlanta for the world series screaming 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 nothing 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 he doesn't even look at me finally last that bat eighth <laughs> inning yeah. jeter comes up Derek, just turn around <laughs> man just turn around <laughs> Finally, he like dumb. He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up. He turns around. He looks at me. He goes, "Bro, I hear you." <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the week nine edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We are officially halfway through the 2013 regular season, and I believe Calvin Johnson has just caught another pass for the Detroit Lions. That just happened five minutes ago. Breaking news: Did he get tackled at the one? He did get. He just. He is the king of getting tackled inside the five yard line. I mean. He did have a 51 fantasy point performance for, for, for was, the Fishmonger It was very League. impressive. Wait, you uh, have him? No, Hank Azaria has oh, him, wow. Chris Brockman. Wow. Hank Azaria has him and lost. <laughs> what? And lost. How? Even though there are five-point bonuses, it was the first ever. Good to see you, Chris. Good to see you, Rich. Thanks. It was the first ever <laughs> application of a 300-yard five-point bonus. That's never <laughs> happened. In the history of our league, but at least he didn't didn't lose by one because that would have meant that the two points he lost for one of the Calvin Johnson fumbles is that (laughs) despite three, what was it? 329? 329, the second greatest ever. Flipper. flipper What was the best ever in, because Flipper Anderson was in, is in overtime. Oh. He beat Flipper Anderson in terms of regulation. Regulation. Flipper did not have his 329 yards after four quarters. What a game. What a week eight in the NFL it was. And the Detroit-Dallas game is something I want to talk about on this podcast, obviously. Uh, The Seattle-Rams game is something I want to discuss because of where it leaves the Seahawks. Uh, Obviously, Denver. But we do have to start with the Dallas-Detroit game. Even though, again, Bengals fans... Uh, you, you should be excited. A 40-point beatdown of the New York Jets. Didn't see that coming. I mean, a 40-point beatdown. Andy Dalton, five touchdown passes, four. To bo- Marvin. To Marvin Jones. Jones. Guy in my league had both Dalton and Jones. You know, wow, that's because that's incredible. Well, he only started in like 1% of NFL I know. Conference. Marvin Jones? Yeah. I, in my two leagues, the Fishmonger League and the Jeff Garland League, the Jeff Garland League, I'm now seven and one. Wow. Jeez, these rolling. are the guys these are the guys who I have in the Jeff Garland League. I have Reggie Bush, Calvin Johnson, Aaron Rodgers. Now I do have Matt Forte. So I didn't have him this week. I elevated Andre Ellington 
to the starting lineup. Well done. You, what, what is it? What is it? Your uh, your eating onions, spotting dimes, or something like? Yeah, like I'm, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not <laughs> done. On fire here. I have Tory Smith on a bye week. On a bye week, yeah. I, I elevated too. Kenny Stills from oh, my bed. Marcus Colston uh, 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 coming, uh, coming to a milk carton near Colston you. Colston is killing, killing me. me. <laughs> killing me. Kenny oh. Stills. So wow. I've been having these guys on the bench for a couple weeks. Ellington I've had for four weeks. Because Man. I've seen, I, I, and I tweeted this out, Richard Mendenhall, hope you're enjoying the view because that's your view yes. from now on. Maybe this and is like fantasy karma for the LaShawn McCoy disaster you could be, could endured be, could last be. year. Because I, I saw the way Mendenhall was running the ball. I understand he's their guy inside the 10. He's a big guy. Ellington's a rookie, and he's somewhat slight of build to be a bell cow guy. But that guy's electric. And when you've got an, 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 an error-prone quarterback, <laughs> you got to get this kid in the game. Where did he come from, Ellington? Clemson. A rookie. And so I picked him up and threw him in the lineup. Stills I picked up about 10 days ago. Stashed him? Ago and stashed him. And yeah, I'm like, you know Kenny what? Stills, man. I did pick up Percy Harvin in that league three weeks ago and stashed him. And had Harvin started on Monday night, I would have played him. But thankfully, Pete Carroll did me a favor and let us all, all fantasy people. He did a huge fantasy favor by letting it known on Friday. He could have sat there. And done the usual NFL coaching thing was let you we'll let the Rams guess whether he's going to play or not. Right. But he announced Friday, so all because on a Monday night you can't, you know, yeah, your well, options you're, are limited if, if somebody if you wait fantasy till Monday night to insert. Totally. So that that I just dropped a, a huge fantasy bomb on 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 that. Although, one. You, do you think Pete Carroll was playing league. against someone who had Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> I don't think he's playing. No. Oh, that. okay. Just wondering. I lost by, uh, I'm in a league with fractional points, which I de- disagree with on a whole. I yeah, I am that. too. I lost by point one five. Oh. I, I had Hauschka going last night. I, I got two he's... out of them. I needed three points and I would have oh. won. So either a field goal or a third touchdown, which you think you're getting. You lost by point one point five. Wow. five. An awful loss. That's terrible. That's oh, terrible. my Lord. Yeah, so I'm seven and one in that league in the fishmonger. I'm five and three. I've now won wow. three in a row in That's the first still a great place. Record. You're set up I'm two and playoffs. six and in thirteenth place. <laughs> and you still sat through some idiot taking t- half an hour to choose Brian Hartline. That's right. Which, by the way, I told to Brian Hartline when he was in studio a you few weeks did. ago. And what he said? Yeah, he he had a good laugh about it. Actually, we do have. Uh, I'll have to get it for next week. Uh, I. I had uh, Hartline leave a little message for the podcast and for that 25-minute uh, selection. I'll, I'll <laughs> do it next week. I don't have it right now. Well, uh, let's get to that Dallas-Detroit game. Oh, by the way, uh, on this edition of the Rich Eisen podcast, um, of the Green Bay Packers, their clear-cut number one receiver and a member of Hank's Stellar Made reference in the Fishmonger League, which is the name of my team, um, Jordy Nelson. Joins the Rich Eisen. He's podcast a member of the Sergeant Slaughters too. For the first time, the man who, by the way, um, set a record at Kansas State. I believe he has every single receiving record at Kansas State football. I can't name another Kansas State receiver. So, and he sat there for a very long time. I mean, if you want to think about how long Aaron Rodgers sat for the draft. Jordy Nelson, um, third round choice out of Kansas State. Second round pick, 36th overall. 36th overall. Yeah. There you go. 2008 draft. I mean, and uh, he's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't want to call it savior because Rodgers is, you know, Ted Thompson has provided some serious depth. Um, And so Jordy Nelson 
has been the number one receiver, but there's a bunch of name tag guys like the Patriots. But Rodgers hasn't skipped a beat. Eddie Lacy sure helps, who's also a member of Hank Stellar Made. I stole a touchdown with James Starks. I had to start him this week. Yeah, Donnie Avery and Devin Thomas were the only wide receivers taken off the board. That was in that draft where not a single wide receiver went in the first round, yeah. and then a billion went in the second round, including Jordy Nelson, um, who's had a, a touchdown reception in three straight games, six of his last eight, nine receptions of over 25 yards this season. That's Have you ever most- seen a QB wide receiver duo execute that back shoulder pass better than those guys? Uh, not in the NFL this year. And you know what? I think he catches everything. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I, it's, it, he it, does. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it doesn't matter where on his body or where in proximity to his body the ball is placed. He catches everything. I mean, he, I mean, and he's not just catching everything in the air. He's catching everything in the air and then maintaining possession, going to the ground in some of the most violent ways yeah. as well. Man. That touchdown he had against Minnesota, you might know this. Which one? Well, the, the, the one. <laughs> the one you're talking about. The, the radio ball. as In did, the end zone, Did right? you ever play NCAA football with uh, Kirk Herbstreet? He had a line in that game, no. in that video game, where he'd be like, it's a radio ball. The defender can only hear it. He can't see it. That's how that was. <laughs> it came right over the defender's head. It was a great catch. And so he will be uh, joining the Rich Eisen podcast yes. for the first time. Nice. Uh, Willie Geist of the Today Show, Morning Joe, MSNBC, um, longtime Giants fan. He will be joining the program, no doubt, excited that his Giants are just two games out of the first place after beating the, what are you called, the rotting fetid corpse of the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, I'd have five more wins in our pick if I just wasn't such a homer with them every week. I mean, <laughs> wow. By the way, don't forget our wager that we made preseason. Uh, yeah, I'm going to owe you a nice dinner. <laughs> the last two losses, the Eagles have been lucky not to get shut out. They've gotten gifts at the end of games and against Dallas and New York. And, you know, Chip Kelly's never been shut out as a head coach. And he, he darn near, I mean, he should have been. If the Giants' special teams, their special teams is just a disaster. Disaster, yep. And so that gave him a gift touchdown, put the Eagles back in the game. But the Giants, thanks to five field goals. I was going to say, their offense isn't, as, isn't lighting it up either. They're 2-6 and six on their bye week. And they're in it. <laughs> they're in it. I was feeling pretty negative. It. I was trolling on Twitter. And I went back through to all the post-week one columns about how, how Chip Kelly's revolutionizing the NFL, and I started retweeting those whenever the Eagles had zero <laughs> points, and just like... Well, Washington <laughs> took the field in Denver on Sunday with the just a game out. Yeah. They had the same number. They were even in the loss column with Dallas. Dallas 4-4, four and four, RG3 and the Skins 2-4, and four, and if they had won in Denver, obviously that's a tall order. But if they had won in Denver, they'd have been half game out after starting the season one and three, and they were up two scores. With a quarter and a half to go. In Denver, and then thoroughly abandoned the run. I mean, Alfred Morris was gashing him. Roy Hillu. I saw you on Twitter. You weren't too happy about them abandoning And you're right. No, I you're mean, right. they totally. But they, they were acting like they were sudden. When Peyton Manning scored the touchdown to make it a one touchdown they game. panicked. They did. Just run the ball. And when, Panic they, t- mode, and when, they, and when the turnover helped. Denver tie the game, run the ball. This what was I think at that point there was a full quarter to go. Yeah, yeah. There was no reason to abandon the game plan. They, they just got started you a two score lead. Around. Winging it around, winging it around. RG three, that sack he took, man, he got just Lit. three all three hundred and twenty pounds. And and to say that they took him out because of the score of the game, just for no way. Come on, he's taking Michael Vick like both hits. of those quarterbacks are hurt. Peyton's hurt too. 
Yeah, he's his ankle. And Fox said that. He was on the Coach's Show podcast. Well, he said, Warren Sapp, I'll, I'll say it because he would say it on the air anyway. Sapp believes it is not his ankles, that no. that's Fugazi because Peyton is standing on the sideline during practice. And he goes, if there are ankle injuries, he calls it rice. What is it? Uh, uh, rest, rest, ice, compression, elevation. elevation. Hmm. You want that. ankles to heal. You got to rest them, ice them, compress them, elevate them. You're not standing there. He <laughs> thinks it's something else. And the upper body. Well, we said and the same we'll, thing and, last week. And, you know, doesn't, the bottom line is they're 7 and 1. They're 7 and 1. Yeah, that's true. Going into this bye week. They have a bye week, and Peyton's going to be rested. John Fox already said Osweiler's going to get some snaps in this bye week. All of them, pretty much. And so Denver has got those two games against Kansas City, which is 8 0. And they won a game that they that they were in a dogfight. The dog Browns fight late. had a man. Yeah. The Browns flat out had him. And Houston week the week eight. before, they're just finding a way to doesn't win games. Matter. It sure doesn't matter. You Somebody tweeted. I, I don't know where I saw this, but someone for Halloween took their baby. And oh, and made it Andy Reid. I saw that too. And it's phenomenal. It's too good. Uh, headset, mustache, mustache. It's, it's way too good. Um, and then, lastly, on the Rich Eisen podcast, perhaps the coolest man on planet Earth. Yes. John Legend. Doing things right. Will call us from New York City where he is performing on tour in the Beacon Theater. Man, what I would love to be. Have you guys ever been to the Beacon no, Theater? No, it's a beautiful, all, you know, ancient jewel on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Oh, it's so intimate. It's incredible. Once saw the Allman Brothers there, oh, by nice. the way. Yeah. I, let my, I, I, let it, I can let it fly every now and then. <laughs> uh, John Legend is there right now on his uh, tour of uh, his new album, uh, All of Me. Which Chrissy Teigen did not know the name of when, when she was here this summer. <laughs> yeah, she, she got it not. eventually. Her she did not. Well, I mean, listen, we'll, we'll, talk to, uh, we'll talk to her about him. Um, uh, and, and he's got his new album out right now, um, All of Me. Uh, it's actually the current single, pardon me, Love in the Future is the name yeah. of his new album. Uh, All of Me is his new single. And he is performing uh, the misses in the video. That's what she didn't know. She didn't know the name of the song that, the she, was that she was in. Was all of me. Right. And um, so he's going to call in. He's got to be fired up. He's a, he's a Bengals fan. And also, watch out, Law. He's no house taker. I know. I, I, you know. And you are not pleased. I don't have with much. Mr. Albert Breer. But. <laughs> Because uh, Ohio State rolled you, and then of course he he trolled. He was on, trolling on you he only hard. Does. We'll talk about. that I wouldn't in a know because I defollowed him, but Brockman oh, set, I, I, set me his way a few know. times. We'll talk about that in a few. But let's talk about this Dallas Detroit game. Bonkos, where man. Um, Calvin Johnson is running wild with the football. Reggie Bush is having a day too, and Stafford is winging it around. Yep. And yet Detroit only has one touchdown because they turned it over four times. Stafford two picks. Calvin Johnson a fumble, Reggie Bush a fumble. Sean Lee is a playmaker of the first variety at the position out of Penn State University. Linebacker, you? I mean, he is—he's a Pro Bowler. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I, I mean, I know there are other he, talented well, linebackers. Pro, potentially, he should be. He yeah. should be. He is on, on that defense that can hardly stop anybody when it needs to. Um, he is. Awesome. And middle linebackers don't get much played because, you know, they're and dropping into coverage more. He's, I mean, he is dropping into coverage, picking passes off, almost had a pick six. Yeah. And yet, so Dallas getting all of those turnovers, and despite Des Bryant in this battle of Des versus 
big play CJ. Dez has got three catches. And, two two and, for touchdowns. And not happy about it. Right. Two for touchdowns. But he's still he's not getting he's not getting touches. And you do have to wonder why. DeMarco Murray's out. Clearly the running game is not working. You have to wonder where, where the passes to Des Bryant are. And Des is seen on the sideline going nuts. Going crazy. Do you have this? Do you have what he said about going crazy on this? I, ha- I have his. This is Des from the post. Because everybody was talking about that. Well, but before before we get to that, because he did it again. He did it again with what ten with seconds with Jason Witten. Well, this was after Detroit had scored, and it's short. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. So Des is going nuts on the sideline, and Romo is sitting there, sort of like uh, Greg Knapp, like. <laughs> when T.O. was going nuts on him on the sideline. And all of us are assuming that Dez is screaming at Tony Romo. I mean, that's what we're all assuming. Now, after the game, as you'll hear, Dez said it's all positive. He's not going at his quarterback. And he still got blown up for that, though. But here's the reason why. Perception is everything, and we at home are thinking that. And you could sit there, and I got a lot of tweets. You've never got a pass in the league. What do you know? You're going crazy about Dez. You don't know what he's saying. Watching the games, Marshall Falk standing next to Michael Irvin. Now, Marshall was having a great time watching Michael <laughs> squirm. Okay. But whenever Dez would catch a pass, Michael would come out of the green room of into the full room in our studio where we're watching the games to crow about 88. And, 88 club. And so uh, now Michael's watching this happen. And Marshall Falk says to Irv, oh, man. He goes, you were screaming on the sideline when you were a player, but you never involved Troy. And you know what Michael said? Nothing. Just nodded his head. He goes, you're right. i got to talk to Des about that. Yeah, he said it on game day final. But he said this, is, this was in real time as it was happening, as we're watching the game. Wow. Marshall goes, wow. You know, Irv, you used to do that all the time, but you never involved Troy in it gonna find some of this out instagram video you know what the funny thing is in the meeting remember we were talking about the bl- blaming quarterbacks like who's to blame for tom brady quarterback or receivers mm-hmm. and earth said it's always the receiver's fault i never blame the quarterback so whatever des was saying and we did find some of that out you can go to nfl.com because i guess we have the audio a- too. NFL film. Oh, we have that. Yeah, I got that. As so well. this is you have. I have both. I have Des posting. Well, I mean, it's just you know uh, internally it was being sold via email. That, hey, we got this video. We're hearing this. We're hearing that. And then I got to be honest. As we'll, we'll play it right now. Okay. It's tough to hear what Des is saying. Well, but is. but Des is not for sure going to Tony Romo and saying, "Throw me the damn ball." What is your problem? Yeah. I am the man. He wasn't doing right. this, even though it did look like that's what he was doing. It's kind of like. Go ahead and play it. Yeah, right, go ahead and play here, it. Here we go. Man, we good on that, Tony. We the best in the NFL on that. We the best in the NFL. Hey, I couldn't. I'm telling you, when you look at it on film, when you, when you look at it on film, number twelve, Jeremy Ross, when you kick the zero, no, on the zero, I couldn't. I'm gonna get the. 
Hey, what you got to do is set it down. If you set it down, just do it. Set it down. In other words, don't look at Tony because the safety's coming out of the top. Yeah, I see it. Right, so when you run, look at him. But look at I'm throwing the ball. You're already over here. You should be sat down Run like this. Don't look at Tony and then stop and say, don't you. I don't even need to over the ball. As soon as you're over the ball, you should tell me right now. give it to him. Stop. It looks open, but they're coming yeah, out of the did, top. I knew what you I, saw because yeah, yeah. they doubled with. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I have seen it. That, right, that, that other voice you heard was Derek Dooley, the assistant offensive coach. Yeah. So you heard, you know, you heard he's being very, very demonstrative, but he's not. But Romo's not saying anything. I mean, Romo's sort of nodding in agreement. And then comes the end of the game, where the Cowboys have the Lions being out of timeouts and it's third down there's a minute and change to go they're right around what the 40 yard line the, I think they were at the 23 is that what Dallas? they were yeah let's get this exactly yeah they were you at know, the 23 because I... they were at the 23 yard line yeah. all right and what do you do there now I'm sitting next to Chris Wirtz who is the uh producer of Thursday Night Kickoff and a big Dallas Cowboy fan huge <laughs> A big Dallas Cowboy fan. And one of my favorite stories with Chris Wirtz, who's been with NFL Network for years, is when we were at the Pro Bowl years ago at the Ihalani Hotel, where all the players are and where we were staying. And we're at the pool bar, okay? We're at the pool bar. And the guy who Wirtz hated the most as a Cowboy fan, Roy Williams, the defensive (laughs) back, who he thought should have been the linebacker. Wirtz just thought he was his coverage was subpar. He thought nice his guy, cover, He thought he was a very sweet guy, but he thought his technique his 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 technique was always it's like Mike off. Doss from Ohio State. He had no technique. He was always out of position, and it was his talent that got got him bailed out of bad performance, bad technician, bad everything. <laughs> so Wirtz is standing at the bar. Roy Williams comes walking. I'm a sweet guy. You know, we talk, and I'm like, I got to introduce you to. Big Cowboy fan, Chris Wirtz. And I'm like, Roy, this is Chris. Chris cannot stop talking about you. <laughs> and Roy goes, Chris, my man. I'm like, oh, stand next to each other. Let me get a picture. Let me get a picture. Did Wirtz go off no, on him? He said, of course he's not going to no, say anything. He's, be nice. he's not going to say anything. Oh. I mean, you oh, can be fantastic. Like, like, you cannot can, stop talking about you. You can be like you, Frank Costanza. He's like. Thank you. Yeah. What the hell did you trade Jay Buna for? All my people said Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps. My baseball people said Ken Phelps. Phelps. Oh, Lord. So, okay, the Cowboys have – let's get this exactly right because everybody's talking about it. It's uh, third and 14 at the Detroit 35. Oh, 35. And I have have the call here, too. Okay. Third and 14 at the Detroit 35. What do you do? It's a – You've got it's actually it's second. Here it is. It's second and thirteen at the Detroit thirty-four. That's what it is. Second and thirteen at the Detroit thirty-four. What do you do? Do you just take a knee? They're out of time. Get the ball. The lines are out of timeouts. Get get the clock down to thirty seconds, twenty and change maybe. Call a timeout and kick a lengthy field goal or punt fifty-one yards or punt. You could do that. Pin them in, and the worst you can do is they've got to go 80 yards to... At the very worst. No, or 80 yards to beat you, or yeah, if you don't kick a field yeah. goal, they only got to go 50-some-odd yards to try and tie you. In under, I, in under 30 seconds. Here's what they did. They didn't take a knee. Nope. They ran a play. 
to get closer. They did. And on the play, Philip Tanner sort of danced a little bit in the in the backfield, and uh, they get called for holding. Smith, their ta- their best tackle, their best player on the offensive line is called for holding, and move him back. They do get the field goal, You're but because of the here, holding Dallas. penalty, but because of the holding penalty, the clock is stopped. So Detroit now has a full minute. You running a play, you run the risk of stopping the clock in some form or fashion. You just take the knee, kick the long field goal. What they ended up doing was kicking a field goal from a yard back of the line of scrimmage that they had on the second down. That That's like taking a knee. It's, it is essentially like taking a knee, but instead you're taking a knee and calling a timeout. That's essentially what happened. You stop the clock. So I'm driving back from Palm Springs during all this, and I get out to pump gas. So I miss all of this. <laughs> and I get back in, and the Detroit's won the game. So Detroit gets the ball back with a minute two to go on their own 20. And Stafford throws to Reggie Bush for no gain, but Reggie gets out of bounds. Stafford then throws over the middle. To who? Calvin Johnson. Yes. 17 yards to Calvin Johnson. And then Stafford runs up, spikes the ball. So it's now second down thirty-seven from the Detroit 37 with less than a minute to go. Stafford then throws uh, to Durham. Yeah, his old college roommate. A roommate dime. At, he uh, threw a dime. Georgia, How Durham. he gets wide open down the sidelines for 40 yards and out of bounds down to the Dallas 23. That was the play. Yep. What a huge play. So, Dur- so Durham's pushed out of bounds at the 23. Right. And then this is what happened. You've got who, who's on the call? Yeah, it's uh, Dan Miller of the Lions Radio Network. He's right. a, he always makes great calls. Roll it. First and 10 Lions from the Cowboy 23. Down 6.33 seconds to go. Stafford out of the gun. He's got it. Pocket holds. Looks right. Throws. Wants Calvin. Got him. Inside the five. Into the end zone. No, they're going to stay inside the one. Clock moving down to 20 seconds to go. The Lions will have to clock the ball. Stafford gets the offense in position. Kills. He dives in for the touchdown. Did he get it? Yes, sir, he did. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Matthew took it across, and the Lions have taken the lead with 12 seconds to go. They are an extra point away. There you go. An extra point away from taking the lead, and they got it after a review. I mean, that was clearly a touchdown. I don't know why they reviewed it. They reviewed to see if he broke the plane. After sticking the ball to break the plane, he bounced back and then celebrated by running into the end zone and spiking it. <laughs> that's so even, so even, if, even, if, even if he hadn't broken the plane, that's when I turned around to everybody. I said, could you imagine if he had thought he'd broken the plane and then celebrated by running, running to his in. teammates with the football 40 and then running out of bounds at the 38? I wonder what they would have right? done Where, there in that instance. It would have been at the 38-yard line. That I thought that would have been amazing because he he went reached the ball over over the goal line and then celebrated by running in the end zone and spiking it. So we were all sitting around watching the game like, what are they looking at? Yeah, because even if he didn't break the plane, he ran he in did, the end zone. It, Took some yeah, major Musburgers though because well, if he got tackled, they'd had twelve seconds left and you might but, not. But have gotten he had up. said right nobody he nobody knew said nobody clock, knew clock clock. That's what I'm saying. Smart it took move. Some major yeah. Musburgers. I think it was Marshall Falk who screamed out just 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 go in yeah. just go. Yeah. He's just on a different level of football. Marshall. Sense and knowledge. He's yeah, just not no, on our planet. No question. 
He's not on our planet. I mean, and 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 that's why when he said in real time when Dez was going at 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 Tony, he wasn't like, "What's Dez's problem?" He goes, he, "The first thing he said is he goes, Michael, man, you used to do that, but you never involved Tony." He said that in real time as it was happening, and so that is the issue: is he involved his quarterback in that one after the Stafford score? Fox shows on the sideline, Witten and Dez in each other's faces. Yeah. So no, whatever Dez said about how he's positive and it wasn't anything negative, and you heard from the NFL Films microphone that the first explosion on the on the sideline, exactly true. He is a, he is he is he's like me. He's a New Yorker. He emotes. It sounds like you're angry. You may look like you're angry, but you're just being passionate. This one though, when Demarcus Ware has to get in between you and Jason Witten and essentially say to back off, to me it looked like Dez was ready to pull a Randy Moss and go in the locker room. And Witten, it looked like he was pointing to the clock, like there's 11 seconds left, man. We're not done. Yeah. The kickoff with the, you know, with the band being out on the field and flipping the ball around, they were finished. Which was, again, that was another thing Marshall said. He goes, why are you not just taking the ball and taking a knee? They had timeouts. Yeah. They had timeouts left. And he said that that's just you not coaching the team up properly to know just taking – what are you doing fielding the ball and running? You feel the ball, you take a knee. There would have been 12 seconds left. Tony, with the beast, 88, and a timeout, he could go over the middle. And you can get a 30, 40-yarder and you call a timeout. Mm-hmm. Play takes kick. 8, 9, 10, even 11 seconds. Kick a long field goal. You kick a long field goal, like, say, from uh, 44 yards out. Like – Bailey did when you were called for holding or even 54 yards. I I mean, it was such a cluster. And the interesting thing is the Raiders against Pittsburgh had the same exact scenario to finish the game. They were up 21-18. And, you know, our our guest from last week, Big Ben, should be three and four. Sean Schwiekham missed two field goals. I thought they were going to leave him in Oakland. But they're up by three. Oakland, Pittsburgh's out of timeouts. They are on the plus side of the field. I want to get the exact They had more time, though, because I thought he should have returned it in that Pittsburgh game. I was watching that one Here live. you go. Here's the exact same scenario. I have it right here in front of me. I have it exactly right here in front of me. The Raiders with a minute 24 to go. They run it once with McFadden. Timeout two by Pittsburgh. They run it once with McFadden. Minus one yard. They're at the Pittsburgh 45. McFadden now on third down. What do you do? What do you do? They run it for three yards and punt it. But what they did is they didn't bounce it outside. They didn't try, or the running back didn't try to bounce it outside. McFadden just ran it straight up the middle, and then that was it. And then the clock winds down. Pittsburgh, they punt it, and Pittsburgh gets it at their three-yard line. With 18 seconds to go. Game over. Game over. If Dallas had done the same thing, instead of trying to run to get more yards, bouncing it outside, or the running back, maybe we might be sitting here blaming, we might be blaming um, Garrett or Callahan with the play call. It might be Tanner's fault for running it outside. Right. And trying to get more yards. We even thought he was going to run it out of bounds. Like Marion Barber the (laughs) third. But... Oakland did it this way, they win. Dallas did it the other way, Detroit wins. I mean, in the end, typical Cowboy lost, though. Just more questions than answers. Guess what? They're still in first place. Amazing. And now the Raiders stay home. 
they take on Philadelphia. And we'll talk about the Giants in a, a later on in the show with Willie Geist of uh, the Today Show and Morning Joe. But your Eagles law. Yeah, they, they uh, look toast, man. There's no answer. He has no answer. Chip Kelly has no answer right now. Yeah. It's, because it's not, not Matt good. Barkley is not ready for prime time, and Vic can't stay healthy, which is always his problem. It's always a problem putting your eggs in the Vic basket because if he's healthy, it's great. The question is, is when does when do the sands run through that hourglass? And LaShawn McCoy, the past two weeks, has been bottled up because well, they have Matt Barkley at quarterback. Well, there's right. no threat of the run in this offense. The quarterback has to have a, give you a threat Yeah, in this offense. And I don't know what the Eagles do here. Because defensively, they can't stop anybody either. The, the Giants are just one of the worst offensive teams right now, efficiently. Cruz was out of the game, and I mean, Nick the, seems to be on like I a different give planet, the even though the Giants... Credit. I mean, that Dallas Cowboys offense, they only gave up 17 points to. They let up I guess. zero Maybe touchdowns against the Giants. Maybe I'm wrong. But you're right. I mean, they they got to have all three phases playing together, and they clearly don't. Oakland could be 4-4 four and four by the end of this week. How, how about the AFC West? I mean, the Chargers are the five seed right now. Yeah, the Chargers are coming off of their bye. Let's not sleep on them, man. That's a really fun Flip division. Rivers, everything he's doing. Phillip Rivers is at Washington this week, and we just saw Washington at Denver. They just, they're just inefficient. The first half of football, it looked like the RG3 in Washington of last year, and they were up two scores. Yeah. D. Hall's making plays, and then they just start winging it all over the lot against Denver. Now, this is, a, this is a game that Washington should win. They should win an early Eastern time zone game against a West Coast team. I don't care how, who's coming off a of bye. Yeah, no, it's true. But San Diego's coming east again, and it's another 1 o'clock start for them east. And but, they've, they've already won two of those this year. But in your right mind, you, two of them. you can't pick Washington in this game, can you? I'm not going to. Not with the way they look? Not with the way their Later defense on. has been playing? Depends I, on, it depends I just on can't RG3. ride with them anymore. How he's, I can't ride with them is. anymore. Yeah. I got a question from earlier. Uh, we were talking about, about Dez and blowing up, and whenever – Tom Brady a couple weeks ago blew up on the sideline. He was just as animated in yelling and stomping his feet. Here's and his the difference. Hands going up and Here's down. a difference. Here's a difference. One's a quarterback. One's not. And one is a wide receiver, and that position has a stigma to it of diva. But why do we has well, a stigma to it of diva? That? And, and, and bra- there's no break. There's no breaking it. There's no breaking it. One guy there's has no breaking one it. Guy although, has although three Irvin, Super Bowl rings. Or, yeah, right. Well, I mean, Irvin, but, Irvin also called. Irvin called out Brady after no, week know two Irvin on did. Thursday Night Football. So, and, and Brady, even at the time of Irvin calling out Brady, was Brady was at the podium saying, "I need to do a better job on my body language." You know, and it's like, ever, listen, nobody should show up anybody. But we know the people that go over low hanging fruit in the media industry, and they're all over Des no matter what. And I hope a lot of them eat crow after this because you know there are certain guys that. I'm not eating crow on it. I'm not saying I'm not eating crow on it because I, I want to hear the sa- I want to hear the sound of his conversation with Witten. That hasn't come out. Yeah, that won't come out. Maybe because if no one was if no one was mic'd and that happened, the Des sound we heard because it was on the bench. Yeah, and the film cameras are right behind it. Right. If it's going on on the sideline, the actual sideline stripe, we might not hear it unless Witten is mic'd up. But the bottom line is, when a receiver is going crazy on the sideline. And the quarterback is just sitting there on the bench wordlessly. But we have seen though. that movie before. Yeah, but I, I, and, I don't and, know. and 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 so sure, what we see it's perception. I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. 
Two Hall of Famers. In real time, Marshall's reaction is, well, Irv, you used to do that a lot, but you never involved Troy. And Irv's reaction was, you're right. I got to speak to him about that. So you could sit here and say media this, media that, low-hanging fruit this, low-hanging fruit that. Two Hall of Famers. That was their real-time, immediate, in-the-moment reaction to what we were seeing. And then I want to hear, why does DeMarcus Ware need to get in between Witten and Des Bryant? Why yeah, is Witten, I would love to why hear is Witten going at him pointing at a clock or pointing up at something? Why is that happening? Now, that may be much ado about nothing later on that day yeah. or the next day. That could be just one of those things where it's just like they don't want to hear him chirping anymore. We get it. You're passionate. We get it. You want to win. We get it. So do we. Now, Dion said after the, uh, uh, later that night is Des is the only guy who, who plays with that sort of level of passion on that team, and that's the problem. Problem is, is you're calling plays when you should be taking knees, running the clock out, or you're, you're, you're putting the ball in the hands of a running back that's bouncing it outside, and the play either doesn't call for it or shouldn't call for it, and you're making mistakes. Yeah. And meanwhile, Dennis Allen and the Raiders, who everybody you know is, would think would be the undisciplined one, they're the ones in, in the final throws of a game who are doing it right. I just think this comes down to typical Cowboys, and I'm not really surprised by any of this. Still first place, though. It's true. That's what's incredible about all this. Dallas is still in first place, and just I guess we keep coming back to it. They're home from Minnesota. This should be a walk. A walk. And maybe DeMarco Murray comes back for it. It should be a cakewalk. It's not a trap game at They're all? at New Orleans before a bu- – no, no. No way. They'll just – Minnesota just can't they, – they can't do anything right right now. Yeah. They're, they're broken. Does Freeman start? I think he was already – Is he cleared this week? He's – Or has he already been rolled out? I think he's been cleared. Hmm. I mean, they, they have to see what he can do. Have with to. a full week, yeah. without a concussion, whatever heck happened on that Monday night game. They're paying him $3 million at New Orleans, bye week, at New York for the Giants. I mean, for the, uh, for the Cowboys right there. That's huge. That's a huge stretch for them right there. We'll see over the next three weeks if what you say is typical Cowboys or not. They have a chance to separate. Last year, they would have signed for 4-4 four and four at the halfway point as, to po- as opposed to what they were. And Very they true. still had a chance to win the division in the last game of the year. They did. Which this year they, they have at home against Philly. Please. <laughs> Please. You know. But the, the, the Packers uh, just showed you with, with Minnesota what you could do to them. And, and, and the Packers even got hit in the mouth right off the top with yep. poor Daryl Patterson running one back from St. Paul. Ran it in. I mean, he was at the end of the goal line. And, and uh, boom, ran it in. And, and then Green Bay just took a breath. And then suddenly Rodgers was connecting with Jordy Nelson, as we were about to do right now. He is the pride of Manhattan, Kansas, trying to make it to Manhattan with the Green Bay Packers to win it all coming up in the 2013 season that has gone swimmingly so far for our next guest on the Rich Eisen podcast, Jordy Nelson. How are you, Jordy? Doing great. How are you doing? I am doing fine, but I think you're doing better than most. i got to be honest <laughs> right now. Yes. Uh... What, is, what has clicked in, in a manner for you and Aaron that appears to have taken you to a, a different level? Um, a lot of things. We've put a lot of work and time into it. It's uh, been six years now together, and um, we've steadily gotten better um, each year. Our chemistry has continued to grow. We continue to develop 
you know, being on the same page every game and are able to make some plays. So how much – walk me through this process that you do work with Aaron. Uh, how, how, how often is it? Are we talking about uh, off-season as well here, Jordy? Absolutely. I mean, we're always up here. Um, both of us, you know, get all our work in in the off-season. If it's just lifting and running in our IPWs and OTAs and mini camps, I mean, we're here every day for that. Um, month of training camp and um, – and then just throughout the season, we continue to grind every week, every practice. If it's on the field talking about certain things, or if it's in meeting rooms, um, when we're watching game film or watching practice, I think we both do a good job of communicating, um, seeing things and adjusting to them, but also making sure we carry that over to the game. And when you are in the game, what is it like in the huddle with Aaron Rodgers, Jordy? Um, it's simple, um, very calm. I mean, there's not much being said when we're in a possession. I mean, he might say a little bit before the possession starts, but once we're in a possession, you know, he's just calling the plays. Um, maybe a little bit here and there on what he wants, but for the most part, he's just calling the plays. We put in all the work throughout the week, so we know what to do versus different coverages and different adjustments that he might make. So when it comes game time, we're able to play fast and uh, just make the, make the changes on the run um, with, like, nonverbal communication and just – knowing the reads that we need to make. Your background and your path to the NFL and Aaron's path to the NFL, your walk-on at K-State, he's a guy who had to go to Butte College to get to Cal, um, and then he falls in the first round of a draft despite a stellar collegiate career where he's played some big-time games. You fall completely out of the first round despite holding every record for receiving in the history of Kansas State football, do you think that that background, the two of you, helps the two of you connect in a way? I think so. I think the path that we took, you know, like you said, not being a high recruit out of high school, um, I know he had a little more expectation probably with the draft than what I did. I mean, we thought there was a chance with the first round, but probably we're pretty sure it was going to be second round. But it's the drive that we have every day that um, – it wasn't a guarantee that we'd be where we are. Um, it's the work, the hard work that we had to do in the years past through high school and college to get us to here, and um, we haven't forgotten that. And that's what drives us every day, every week, and allows us to continue to get better. The um, the injury to Jermichael Finley uh, obviously would shake anybody up. I, I read what his first-person account of the, uh, of the injury um, in uh, Peter King's MMQB what was it like from your perspective seeing uh, a teammate of yours, obviously somebody who also in your your way goes over the middle? What was that like for you from your perspective, Jordy? It was tough. Um, at first, you see him laying there, and to be honest with you, you think it's the typical concussion. You know, guy's a little doozy, maybe, you know, got knocked out, so the trainer's going to come out, talk to him, get him alert, get his balance back, and they'll help him off the field. But the longer he lays there, um, obviously the more worried you get. Um, whenever I see someone laying on the field, if it's our teammate or the opposing team, you know, I always try to say a quick prayer because you don't know what it is. And uh, you can only be in God's hands of, you know, to take care of him, protect him, um, you know, give him the strength and courage to get through whatever it is. And then once they started rolling that stretcher out, um, I was first like towards the sideline, but I 
made my way back out to him to, you know, to see kind of what was going on and how he was feeling and if he was moving at all or what, because the trainers, you know, did their job of keeping him still so nothing um, more serious would happen to him. Because you don't ever know. When you're messing with the neck, any little movement, you know, can make it um, worse than what it already was. So when you when you see anyone get uh, carted off on a stretcher, um, it hits you. It hits you hard. Um, as you start thinking about, you know, your job and what you want to do and how long you want to do it. And so what what uh, what have you said to him since then? Have you spoken with him? Have you been able to, to, to chat with him since then? I have. Um, I went over there um, Monday afternoon after the game, saw him in the hospital, talked to him a little bit, see how he was doing, how his family was doing. Um, and those conversations are honestly a lot about everything but football. Um, I know he, he tried to say, you know, man, I'll be back, I'll be good. But, I mean, that's just our mentality as a football player. But as someone, you know, looking at him and talking to him, you're like, you want to make sure he's okay you know, for the rest of his life. You know, you don't want him to rush back. You want him to take care of himself and his family first and football second. So um, you just want to lift him up, you know, obviously show that we care about him. I know a lot of guys made trips over to the hospital on different days just to check in on him, you know, give him something to talk about. It's not fun no matter what the reason is just to be sitting in a hospital bed. So I think a lot of guys made the trip over there. I saw him. I believe it was yesterday in the stadium as well, talking to him. He's feeling good. He's up walking around and uh, feeling better and is upbeat. Well, it's great to hear. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you just it just leaves you a lump in your, your throat and your stomach when you see something like that, and it's it's just great to hear him that he's up and, a, and, a, and about and even maybe even thinking if it's obviously uh, physically feasible for him to get back. Back on the football field, um, you are really the only healthy starting receiver in many ways from the beginning of the season. What has that been like for you? Have you been coaching these kids up that we're sitting at home learning their names as they catch footballs from Aaron Rodgers right now, Jordy? We have, but to be honest with you, we, we started that all the way back in training camp. Um, here with the Packers, we've been very deep over the years. I'm talking five, six receivers deep ever since I've been here. And this year was going to be a little different. We had three you know, main guys, James and Randall and myself, Jared Boinkins, who now everyone's finding out about, um, is in his second year. We knew what he was able to do, but he just hasn't had the game the game reps. And that's kind of what you need. I mean, you practice all you want, but you got to get a feel for the game. So um, with him and the younger guys going through training camp and OTAs, we're trying to coach them up because we know those young guys eventually are going to have to play for us and we need them to perform. So we started that process a long time ago, but the last couple weeks, you know, you're trying to keep it simple for them. Understand it's just a game of football. Don't try to, you know, put too much on them, but just go out and play. I told them last week going out to the game, I'm like, guys, this is just football. You've played it since high school. You made it through college. There's a reason why you're here because you can make plays. So you just go out and play the game and don't think too much. And uh, when you were at the, the game in Minnesota, uh, I know a lot of people talking about Greg Jennings this, Greg Jennings that. Josh Freeman standing on the other sideline, and he's the quarterback who has thrown you all those balls in those successful years in Kansas State. What can you give us insight with him as to what's going on with him and his pro career right now, Jordy? Um, not too much. I mean, I haven't – we stay in touch, but a lot of times when we talk, it's about everything but football. Um, we're around football so much that you don't want to drill each other, you know, on the season or how the game is going. But um, I talked to him a little bit. Obviously, was concerned about his, con- his concussion and what he went through last week and wondering, you know, how he's doing, when he's going to be back. Um, but I think he likes where he's at. He likes it up there in Minnesota. 
Um, he did kind of tell me that it's similar to K-State and everything like that. So I'm glad that he's happy. Obviously, what he ran into in Tampa Bay is a tough situation. And obviously, I don't think anyone but Josh and the people in Tampa know the full details on that. But um, to me, he's a good quarterback. He can make the plays. He just needs to be comfortable again. I think he had a couple good years in Tampa Bay. Obviously, changing other coaches might have some effect on it. But um, I think he'll be a good fit in Minnesota with that run game. He's got a strong arm. They got Greg over there and some other receivers that are going to develop for him. And I think he's in a good situation. A couple minutes I have left with you, Jordy. Do you ever want to pound your chest? And remind everybody that in a Super Bowl you had nine catches for a buck forty <laughs> and a touchdown. Not really, um, not at all. That's not in your DNA at all. You don't, you know, you, there's no, there's no chest pounding in you at all, Jordy. There isn't. I don't, I don't enjoy that one bit. Um, I try to do my best every time I catch a ball or score. Or try to hand the ball to the official. Um, I mean, I don't take anything I do for granted, and I don't. I mean, I, I enjoy every moment of it. There's no doubt about that. But there's a lot of people that have put time and effort into me through all the years of football. And to me, also, when you make a play on the field, it's not just you. Obviously, I need to have a quarterback that's able to give me the ball. I need offensive linemen that can protect. I mean, we've got a great running game now that's allowing us to get the one-eye coverage that we want and maybe some man, uh, man-to-man on the outside. So there's so much time and work and everyone's effort into it that it's not about one person. So um, for me to do that, it definitely would be selfish. And so I, I, I try to stay away from it. Um, as much as possible. That said, how about getting you in a discount double check commercial, though, Jordy? I mean, BJ Rod, <laughs> you know, Rogers uh, gotten one, and I mean, he's gotten those. You yeah. know, he's got the guys from Saturday Night Live. George went in there, you know, and Robert Smigel. How about how a little Jordy Nelson discount double check love? How about some? I don't know. You will have to ask Aaron about that one. Um, I think he's seen some of my commercials up here and might not like my acting skills. Oh, is that but, right? What is it? What do you uh, got? We don't see those. What What do you got up there? What do you got up there? Um, there's a nice little Wisconsin tourism commercial that's going around okay. Wisconsin and uh, the local states. That's uh, kind of interesting. It's a, uh, it's kind of off of uh, the Wizard of Oz. Um, you know how obviously Dorothy wants to go home back to Kansas, and um, so that's kind of a, a twist off of that. A lot of humor. Um, so what but, are you? Are you the so wizard kinda, in that one? What are you in that one? No, um, I kind of get knocked out um, playing okay. catch with my wife. She overthrows me. I hit a tree. Um, so then I have a dream about Wisconsin and how great it is in the fall. And then um, the fairy shows up and tries to explain what's going on. There's some little kids with cheese heads that are supposed to, you know, be like the munchkins and stuff. So it's pretty funny, I think. Uh, some of the guys give me a hard time, but um, you'll just have to look it up. But, Jordy, if you get hit and you hit a tree, you need insurance. And who has insurance but Allstate? And you need the discount double check. State Farm, Rich. State Farm. Oh, but State Farm. <laughs> Whatever, State Farm. Whatever. You know, you know where I'm going with this. It's natural. Very true. It's the um, next. It's next level. We'll it's your next step. It. We'll see what they say. All right. I'm just trying to leave you in a better. That's what I try. I know it's your first time on the podcast, and I really appreciate it. You're lighting it up, and I just want to leave you in a better spot than than I found you. That's well, all I, I want to do. Appreciate the help. You bet. <laughs> hey, Jordy. Good luck. It's Bears Week. Does it feel different? When it's Bears week around not, there? Not yet. Um, I think we'll head in there tomorrow. Okay. Um, obviously, we have an extra week, extra day of preparation. But um, once we start watching film, um, you start feeling the energy. The fans have a little different energy about it. And um, But once we get into the week and towards the end, Saturday and Sunday, you definitely will be able to tell it's Bears week. Jordy, thanks for calling in. Congrats on the start so far. I know you've got a lot of work left to do. 
but uh, I really appreciate you coming on. And um, you're also on my fantasy team, and I greatly appreciate what you have done this year, certainly in that regard. No problem. Thanks for having me on. You bet. That's Jordy Nelson of the Green Bay Packers on the Rich Eisen podcast. Oh, there goes my State Farm commercial. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't I want to jump it was in all there. State. No, I appreciate it. We got to be accurate. We have to be accurate. You just sent me the link of of this uh, this commercial. Yes, it's, it uh, looks fun. Yeah, it goes. Can, from, can you post it on our blog page? I can definitely link to it. There I might be able to, to embed Whatever. it. Whatever you can do. Yeah, I'll figure something. Whatever out you there. can do, Chris. I know you're very busy. You know, got you do more than just this show that you pay attention to about six hours a week. Oh come on now. Surf in. Got to do that. What what else are you doing? Uh, I do fantasy NFL fantasy lives Friday show. I okay. line, line produce that and. and then, uh, College football. Uh, we're doing college football videos, so I work with Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah, right. Damashek, and uh, some of the other uh, Matt Money Smith. So you're not you're not also on a on NFL game day morning. I'm not on NFL game day morning. Like like Chris Brockman. No. And me. Yes. No. Who's also on Thursday night kickoff? I watch game day morning, and I watch Thursday night. Do kickoff. you get up at six and watch game day morning? No, uh, no chance. About eight. No chance. Eight fifteen. No chance. <laughs> no chance you do that. No. That would just be ridiculous. So Jordy Nelson. That was nice. Yeah. That NFC North with the Lions on a bye week at 5-3. and three. Again, I know we, we spoke at length about that game with Dallas at the top. That's huge, man. Huge. Because the Bears are 4-3. and three. I know Cutler's out a month. And Green Bay is now on a roll. Our guy Brandon Marshall was loaded with sound, though. He says Cutler will be back next week. I mean, you're dealing with a groin. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah. but right now, I mean, Chicago Chicago has this Monday night coming off of a bye against Green Bay, and then they're home against Detroit. I mean, this is it. It's their yeah. season right here. This is it. This is it. These are the games, man. They finish up week 17. They see Green Bay in, in, in Soldier Field as the last game of the season. That's going to come down to something. Probably. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna matter. Maybe not for that. Might be your NBC flex because, as you know, as you know, NBC gets the flex into whatever it darn well pleases. Or week seventeen. Week seventeen. What's interesting? Or the with NFL Jordy, chooses for NBC what it will flex into, essentially. Yeah. What's interesting with Jordy is last year, if you guys recall, fantasy wise, he was going in the third round. Everyone was like breakout player, and he didn't have that. You know, James Jones was really really the guy. This year, Randall Cobb was the third-round guy. Jordy was an afterthought. And if you got him in the fifth or sixth round, he's killing it for you. Like uh, like me? Yes. Who also got Eddie Lacy and A.J. Green? Yes. And Wes Welker? And Arian Foster? And Frank Gore? Spoil of riches. And in the second to last round, the penultimate round, as some might call it, Jordan Cameron? Oh, really? You got him that late? Is this the 7-1 team? No, this is the 5-3 team. Wow. And here's the thing with that one, if I may. Andrew Luck, we've talked about it. I'm just going to ride him. Yeah. No reason not to. I'm going to ride him. I'm going to get you some rushing yards every right. week, too. That's it. He's my guy. I'm not going to try and pick someone else up or trade for somebody else and then mix and match. No way. No. I'm throwing Luck in there, and he's my guy, just like the Colts. I'm going to ride him to the playoffs or championship or not. Here's an interesting uh, point, though. Of all the quarterbacks, Luck uh, his QB opponent's average fantasy points allowed is dead last for, for the remainder of his schedule. 14.44 points are what his opponents are averaging 
letting him score. Number one on that because list. Because they're, they're great against defense? They're great yeah. against quarterbacks? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Number one on that list is Alex Smith. He has the easiest uh, opponents that he's facing the rest of the So season. you're saying I should pick up Alex Smith? Just throwing that out there. All right. So, wow. That's the fact about Andrew Luck? Yeah, lower than. Because <laughs> he plays Houston twice. Yeah. If you could see the look on Rich's face right now he's as, just... he's, as he's rethinking this all in on the <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to buy it. He's my guy. <laughs> as for Green Bay, Jordy sees the, the, uh, the Bears Monday in week nine. They've already had their bye, by the way. The Packers had their bye week four. And then they're home for Philadelphia, which, again, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a wrap, man. Your Eagles are going to be top five again. We can't say Picking. the Eagles are out of it one game out of first place and the Giants still have a chance two games out, can we? Well, if you look at how the team's been playing yeah, in the last we few weeks. Yeah, right, point no, no, point. Matt then, Barkley then, is your quarterback. Well, then the Packers are at the Giants, home for Minnesota, at Detroit on Thanksgiving. What a monster game that's turning out to be. Then they're home for Atlanta at Dallas. That's a rematch of the Stomp game, right? The Sioux Stomp on Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They're at Dallas, which is going to be a big game. That's currently a late window for Fox. Sunday, December 22nd, three days before Christmas, they're home for Pittsburgh, and then they're at Chicago. They're just fun to watch, man. A fun team to watch. Aaron Rodgers is a fun quarterback to watch, and Jordy Nelson catches absolutely everything. But, of course, in the NFC, the top dog is Seattle, even though the Rams had him last had night. Him. Boy, six, did they have him on Monday first night. First and goal from the six. But Pete Carroll just Adam. kept his cool. He had all these timeouts. He didn't call them. He just let the clock tick down and say, I've got my 11. You've got your 11. You're the one that needs to gain the yards. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Zach Stacy hurts his ankle at the worst possible time. But they just stopped running. And, and, and I don't understand. When offensive coordinators go empty backfield. Especially with Kellen Clemens. (laughs) Now, you could sit there and go, why on fourth down with the game on the line are you going to run the football anyway? That's too much of a risk. Especially against this defensive front. Even though that they did run essentially the ball down Seattle's throat to get it to that point. I understand you might sit there and go, why would you even think of running? But you have to make the defense think it's possible. If you are not, you are basically giving up part of your strategy pre-snap against one of the most ferocious defenses in the NFL against whom all night long your receivers showed no ability on -on one-on-one coverage to shake free. None. And when you say we're going empty backfield pre-snap to the Seattle defense, what happened? Browner and the whole full house came right at him. And I'm going to be, if I'm Seattle, I'll, I'll take my chances against Kellen Clemens with the Legion of Boom <laughs> going one-on-one to lock people down. No question. Yeah. What are you doing? You take a look at Seattle's schedule. They're 7-1 and one minus Percy Harvin. Here comes Percy, guys. I don't know when. I don't think it's going to be this coming game against Tampa. Maybe it will. Yeah, could be. I don't know. They do have a bye week 11. If you really want to play a conservative, you wait. Yeah, why, why rush him back? That's the thing. Yeah. Because you want to get him in the mix. The sooner the better. 
the sooner the better. You don't want to have these conversations the first time he's getting out there. It's against New Orleans post-bye. I mean, you could play him before the bye, see where he's at. They have a bye week 12. Reassess on the bye. So you don't want – it's because that New Orleans game, you take a look at the rest of their schedule. They're 7-1. and one. Even if you give them a loss in the games that they, they – all eight games they can win the rest of the season. Even if you give them a loss in the games that are the most difficult on paper, home against New Orleans at San Francisco, which is, by the way, back-to-back – even if you do give them a loss in that right now, that's a 13-win season. That's a 13-win season. And a 5-1 and one record within the division, which means they could have a tie break against San Francisco because San Francisco has the ability to run the table too. But let's talk Seattle just for the moment. Home against Tampa, that's 8-1. and one. Rematch of the NFC Championship. At Atlanta. I still don't. Uh, they're a much better team than Atlanta, which yeah. just lost in Arizona. We'll get to our picks later. Oof. I nailed that one. Home for Minnesota, that's a wrap. That's three more wins. That's 10-1. and one. Bye week. Home for New Orleans, Monday Night Football. ESPN's doing cartwheels right now. 14, week 14 at San Francisco. Week 15 at the Giants. I think they win that one. And then they're home for Arizona and St. Louis. That's a wrap. Tweet it out right now. I at, did already do that. Worse, I already did earlier today. Thirteen and three. Did, and I just said it. You look at their schedule. It looks sure looks like a thirteen win season. Let's see what that's now. At will right the thirteen? It's not too high. It's because it's too long. You can't have. If you want retweetable tweets, they've got to be in my in my mind. They got to be about ninety characters or less, so people can comment. Yes. Brevity is the soul of wit, as well. I believe somebody <laughs> once said. So. Marcus Twain. DeMarcus Twain, I think. Once DeMar- DeMarcus, DeMarcus Twain. DeMarcus Twain. So you look at Seattle and you're thinking that's 13-3. and three. San Francisco, after waxing the Jaguars, one of my favorite tweets, if I may say so, this week, I tweeted out that the Jaguars were seeking asylum in the U.K. from the 49ers. <laughs> and then the hashtag Weeky Jags for all you fans out there of Julian Assange. Niners are home for Carolina, which started this week in Tampa. They're four and three. I'm not believing in Carolina just yet. Not believing them yet. They need to win at San Francisco. Cam. I'll start believing them if Cam does that. Man, that would Cam be does something, that, huh? Cam's home against Atlanta. That's a game that they that should, should be win, a win this week. Week ten, they're at San Francisco. Win that game, I'll start believing. I'll start thinking. But they do have a quarterback who's playing lights out, not making mistakes, and the defense that's really hitting people, which you need to win football games. Then they're at our then then San Francisco's at New Orleans. I don't know about that one. I think they slip up there. As Marshall would say, not in that house. I think they slip up there. Then they're at Washington on a Monday night. I think they win that one. Washington just looks like a terrible mess right now. Yep. Home for St. Louis, home for Seattle. That's big. They're at Tampa. They don't lose that. They're home against Atlanta. And then here's the one that's sneaky right there. Here's the one, if I'm a Niner fan, I'm concerned about. At Arizona to finish it up. Yeah, that's a – they looked impressed. That defense – Listen, Seattle went in there and sucked the life out of the building. San Francisco could obviously do the same. But that's crucial because if they lose one more in division – they can't get the tie break over Seattle, and they're going to be a five seed as opposed to being a one or a two. 
in the NFC. It comes down to those three teams for those two weeks, unless for those two bye teams, uh, bye weeks, unless San, unless the Packers throw their hat in the ring and they have they have put themselves in position to do that in the NFC right now. That's the way I'm I'm looking at it. It's a week to week league, halfway through. It really is. Just when you think you have this league figured out, the next week something screwy happens. Because New Orleans. New Orleans is definitely in the bye week mix. San Francisco and Seattle is too. I mean, I think and New Orleans. Green Bay is also. The question is, can Green Bay sustain what they're doing right now? For me, it comes down to New Orleans and Seattle. Whichever team gets home field, that's who I'm riding to the Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, and like we said, it's Packers week, it's are week, out of this mix. It's week nine. Yeah, it's true. But you can't win in Seattle, and you can't win in New Orleans. That's proven. We'll see. I mean, this is my week nine assessment. Do we have one of the coolest gentlemen to ever walk planet Earth on the phone line? We do, and I'm a little jealous of him. Let's do it. The man is on tour right now for his new album, Love in the Future, which came out right around uh, the NFL season when it came out. His current single is All of Me. Uh, his lovely wife appeared on the podcast just a few weeks ago. He is none other than multiple Grammy Award winner, John Legend. How are you, John? I'm well, Rich. How are you, man? I am. I'm doing fine. I, I'm just wondering um, how your how your wife is doing. Because last time we saw her, uh, she was all excited. She was going to get married to you. Yeah, and she, I think she's still happy. I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I follow her on Instagram, which yeah. means which means I see all sorts of good stuff. I see, I see <laughs> you at the sink cleaning out some uh, cleaning out some of her food stuff. I see all of that stuff, John. Yes, uh, she. Uh, she definitely had me cleaning her roly. Her roly. What is that? Yeah. What is that? It's like uh, some odd contraption that they made to uh, to uh, to uh, cook eggs in, which was completely unnecessary because you could just cook them on the skillet. Yeah. But but you make this little like kind of um, phallic egg. <laughs> <laughs> contraption. <laughs> that sounds more than just that sounds more fun than just the ordinary skillet. You know? Yeah, apparently so. So and, well, uh, and they and they when they send it to you, they give you a special cleaning device. And uh, Chrissy had me uh, clean it out, and uh, she Instagrammed it, of course. Yeah, that's the part of the honeydew list. See, I mean, you yes, win. You, that you is win, on the honeydew list. You win Grammys. You perform live in Beacon Theater in New York City. You're heading to and Durham you later. List. You always do. I mean, yes. It just never it never ends. Do you have time to watch football? More importantly, oh yeah. Well, Chrissy's uh, halfway around the world uh, shooting a, a swimsuit photo shoot, so uh, I had the whole day to myself to oh. watch football. So all I did was sit there, eat Chinese food, and watch football. <laughs> Which game leapt out at you, John, from Week Eight? Which game did you like? Oh, oh I, I loved watching the Bengals uh, do so well against the Jets. That was fun. Is are they your team? I know you're from Springfield, and I know you're yeah, Ohio I'm from State. Springfield, Ohio. So I root for uh, Cincinnati, and uh, and then uh, I'm, my favorite player is Peyton Manning. He happens to be my fantasy quarterback this year as well. Oh, so uh, I was happy to see him do well in the second half yesterday. So let's take this one at a time. Do you think the Bengals are for real, John? I really do because uh, Andy Dalton is looking. You know, occasionally I worry about him because he's, 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 like, good, but I feel like he's on the verge of being great, but he kind of can be inconsistent. But he's looking really good right now, and his receiving core is incredible. Uh, and then 
I, I love the rookie running back to have, uh, Bernard. And then uh, their defense is just really good, and uh, they've been playing well against just about everybody. What they yeah. did to uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots was pretty phenomenal a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and then so they I, just I, dropped a bomb on the Jets. I think they're a legit contender. Now, as a Bengals fan, we um, we learn to temper <laughs> any optimism and excitement that we ever have because we're often let down. But um, <laughs> but I, I do have to say they look like a real contender in the AFC, especially because they play such good defense. Yeah, I mean, and and now they're going to be playing in Miami. Um, we we miss you by just a few days. You're going to be uh, performing in Miami Beach um, on November the third. You're going to be. Yeah, in no- I get there on Saturday. I get there on Saturday, and the show's on Sunday night. And I'm going to miss the uh, the uh, the NFL Network game. Yeah, I know you'll be on stage um, in Atlanta. Oh no, in Durham, in Durham, North Carolina, on on the night that I'll be uh, trying to hold down the fort in Miami against Cincinnati. Will you? I mean, how? Will you have a television somewhere set up on the stage, backstage? How will you no, be able to watch the this second game? half? I'll just watch the second half. Okay, there you go. I'm just wondering if you could set – because we can help arrange that sort of thing. You know, mobile devices, iPads, these sort of things work out, John. We can figure that out. You know, I, I am the most resourceful fan there is when it comes to finding ways to watch my teams because I travel internationally so much, and, of course, they don't broadcast the games like we do here in the States. And so uh, I have Slingbox. I have every kind of Internet service that allows me to watch sports overseas that I need. So I'm very resourceful. But I do focus on my show when I'm on stage. Well, that's good. Well, you're a professional. You're a professional, John. I mean, I understand that. Uh, yeah. So Peyton Manning, though, as you know, is you, you've, he's your favorite player, and he's your fantasy quarterback, which is phenomenal. I mean, he has just been yes. a fantasy dream come true. I'm 7-1, by the way. 7-1? <laughs> Yeah, what, after, what, after this weekend, yeah. So what's the name of your team? Just Legend. Legend, of course. Uh, and then run, run down your fantasy team for me, top to bottom. Uh, well, of course, Peyton Manning. And then my uh, number one running back is Jamal Charles. Oh, my Lord. No wonder you're saying uh, My number two is McFadden. He had a good game on Sunday. Yeah, he did have a good He had two touchdowns. And then uh, my receiving core is just okay, but Josh Gordon does okay. He was uh, from Cleveland. He had 100 and, uh, yards receiving and a touchdown against Kansas City. You must have dropped a bomb on somebody this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vincent Jackson. Okay. Who, uh, even though they're quarterbacking his week there, he's their number one like go-to guy, and they're yes. always behind. So right. he'll get you some yards at the end of the game. Right. Just, just from, like, teams being on prevent. And then uh, – my tight ends are pretty weak, but I just picked up Jordan Reed last week when I saw him doing so well. Damn. Before that, I had, like, uh, the Giants guy, and then, uh, then I had Brent Selleck, and those guys are not doing it for me. No. Uh, but I picked up Jordan Reed, who who's like, looks like a decent pickup. That's, yeah, I would say so. And uh, so who's your uh, – do you have a defense that you go each week, or do you just try I matchups? Do. I switch back and forth. I do Patriots and the Colts, That's which not... are both pretty good. Yeah. So you did the Patriots this week, and oh man, that 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 was another yeah, the good one. Patriots did well because they uh, they got uh, they got some good turnovers and sacks and everything against Tannehill. So you're seven and one. What what uh, what league is this? Is this uh, amongst your your? It's amongst some of my guys that are on tour with me, and uh, you know, just kind of people that work in and around my touring business. And so seven and one that leads the league, correct? Or is there someone yes, else? I'm number one right now. Well, I mean, do you think it's they're doing that? Now. 
They, do they think they're doing? I would normally say that maybe they're just trying to, you know, be good to the boss there, to the to the guy who's leading the <laughs> ship. No, because some of them don't work for me, okay. so they're not really accountable. <laughs> and and uh, no, they, they've never shown mercy on me to, to this point. Have you ever exactly. met Peyton? Have you ever met Peyton Manning, John? Yeah, I have met him before, and I, and I live in New York, so I see Eli a bit. We've done a few charity events together, but I've only met Peyton, I think, a couple times. But I've met Eli quite a lot, quite a few times. Do they listen to your music? I have no idea. I really don't know. Oh, man. Okay. I know Tom Brady does. He he, he shouted me out in some article I was reading. <laughs> I'm a Tom Brady fan. I love Tom. He's great, too. Yeah, it sounds like Brady's a lover. You know what I mean? And a fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a smooth dude, you know? Listen to that John Legend. Get it cracking with Giselle. <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem that way, but he's a Michigan guy, though, John. I know, I know. And, and I, mean, I, I didn't say I, I didn't say I was like he was my number one dude, but I do like Tom Brady. He's good. That's good. And your <laughs> your Ohio State Buckeyes, or I'm sorry, the Ohio State the Buckeyes. Ohio State University. Yes. Pardon me. I, I need to say the the because you know I'm a Michigan <laughs> guy too, John. Um, <laughs> you're you have yet to lose since Urban Meyer came well, on you know, campus. Um. What do you think? We, what do you think of your Buckeyes right now? I'll, I'll well, give you a stage good. here. I think they have one of the better offenses uh, that I've ever seen them have. Uh, they can do a lot of things. and I think they can do that against most competition, but obviously the question always is going to be how are we going to do against the SEC champion? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's yet to be seen, really, because we haven't played enough really great competition to really uh... test how, um, See you guys. How we would do against really great teams, but but uh, but Miller, man, he's one of the most talented guys in college football right now. There's no question about that. So, are you saying the Big Ten is not good enough competition for Ohio I'm State? Saying, is that what you're saying, John? I'm saying I would feel more confident about us if we had beaten a few non-conference teams that were really good. Well, you don't play non-conference teams that are very good. I know that's the problem. So I, I don't I don't know what I don't it's it's hard to assess how good we are. Yeah, I mean because at this point Urban might reach out to you to put the Penn Quakers on the schedule. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, get your get your alma mater out there, get Ohio State to Franklin Field, you know. <laughs> but you're right. I, I would be concerned and I'm a Michigan guy, I'm genuinely concerned when we're gonna face you uh, later on. Uh, I'm I'm, yeah, I'm very is, nervous I, about I think, that game. I think Ohio State is built to be any Big Ten team because we can still bang with everybody. We're still like a strong, powerful team with a good offensive line. But we also have a lot of speed, and we have an amazing quarterback. Our defense is is a suspect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be good sometimes, but it can concern you sometimes. But uh, it's kind of like... It's kind of like how I feel about watching Denver uh, Broncos, where you just got to hope that the offense doesn't have an off day because they're going to have to score enough points to outscore the def- uh, yeah. what the defense is allowing. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. That is a good analogy right there, for sure. Um, you know, um, your commercial I saw that you did with uh, for LBJ, for LeBron, yeah. to LeBron yeah. James. Walk, walk me through Ohio how to- Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you guys, yeah. You guys all stick together. <laughs> Ohio guys. That's right. Is that how you basically got to meet him through all of that and work with him? Uh, no, I met him, you know, just, you know, 
I do a lot of stuff with the NBA and all-star games and all this stuff. So I, I met him during that time. So I, I've known him for quite a few years now. But um, this is the first time we ever did anything uh, collaboratively. That's cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, the commercial is beautiful. It is. Nike, of course, does a great job. They almost always do. And uh, I think uh, this commercial is a great way to kick off the season for Le- LeBron. John, I mean, do you ever sit back and and think of the kid from Springfield and what's gone down in your life, your career? Oh, uh, man, it's crazy. It's crazy because all the things I grew up, like, excited about, like, I was a big Stevie Wonder fan, and Stevie Wonder sang at my wedding. I was, uh, <laughs> uh, me and my brothers used to be so excited when the new Jordans came out or the new Nikes came out, and now my voice is on a Nike commercial. Uh, you know, my dad grew up making cars. I mean, making uh, trucks, and now I'm on a new Chevrolet commercial. <laughs> so it's like, man, life is good. <laughs> life is good. You're cleaning the rolly of Chrissy Teigen. That's always good. That's not yeah. bad. So, so, Steve, so Stevie made it to Como. Stevie Wonder yes, made it to did. Como. Yes, he did. Wow, that is cool stuff. And getting married in Como—that's next level stuff. Uh, oh yeah, oh John. yeah. You know, I just I just honeymooned for two days there. That it's, was it's that a gorgeous was, place. It's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Rich, we talked to Chrissy about the yes. gift bag policy on travel destination weddings. What what went down there? Yeah, that's true, John. We did talk about that with Chrissy about um, will you um, expect any gifts from people who travel all the way to Como? And she said that oh, that no. was still debatable right there. What what happened, John? We, <laughs> we, what, we didn't expect any gifts from anybody. We told them to donate to our charity. Okay. We we felt very uncomfortable knowing how fortunate we are to uh, to ask anybody to buy us anything. It felt like really weird for us to ask, so we just didn't do it. Okay. What is your charity? Let's get it out there. Uh, it's called the Show Me Campaign. Uh, you can find out more info at showmecampaign.org, but we focus on uh, education. We focus on uh, helping those in poverty have a, have a pathway to success. And uh, we're really happy with the work we've been doing. And you recorded a song for Steve McQueen's 12 Years a Slave, which is already getting Oscar buzz. Everybody's oh, yeah, talking. It's, it's incredible. It deserves all the Oscar buzz that it's getting. Uh, the film is just beautifully, beautifully made. And uh, I was inspired after seeing the film. They asked me to curate a soundtrack of songs inspired by the film. So um, I did that. I reached out to some of my friends in the business. And uh, we have Alicia Keys on there, uh, Chris Cornell. Um, Alabama Shakes, uh, Laura Mbola. We got some great people on there. And how long does it take you to write a song? How 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 does the uh, process go? Just a few go? hours. Just a few hours. Just That's start it. With the music. Yeah. Start with the music, and then it just goes from there. So what? Like like um, if if something strikes you, say you hang up the phone, and this podcast struck you so much. That you wanted to construct a song. I was so inspired by talking to Rich Eisen. Yes, correct. You were so inspired. This was all. This was almost like music in a way. You, you hang up the phone. How long would it take you to just just if something gets in your head, you just go somewhere and you sit down and you bang it out? Well, if I'm just impromptu, I would just do something, record something real quick on my phone, just the idea, and then uh, I would write it later. You know, when I'm properly like sitting down in a place where I can spend a few hours. But uh, in the meantime, I would just record it into my phone and save it for later. And when did you first realize you had a talent like that? Oh, when I was pretty young. I started taking piano lessons when I was four. 
I started uh, singing in a church choir when I was about six, six or seven, and uh, I loved it, you know, that entire time, and and I always wanted to start writing songs for myself, so I started doing that when I was like seven or eight years old. So what was your first song you ever wrote? Do you remember? I I don't remember exactly, but I, I wrote a few songs for my church choir. I wrote some songs that I was trying to sing the girls that I liked. <laughs> when did you start realizing that came in handy, John? Oh, probably when I was like ten or eleven. <laughs> Fantastic! Oh man, this is great. Your 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 new tour again. You're in the Beacon Theater this week um, with a Halloween night uh, concert in Durham. Um, then the, this coming weekend, Atlanta, Miami Beach, Clearwater, Florida. Um, then you hit Texas, Austin, Texas on November sixth, Grand Prairie, Texas on November seventh. Mississippi, Dallas, yeah. You're going to Mississippi, then Chicago Theater on November 10th, and then the Fox Theater. That's back to back. Some serious locations right there. Oh yeah, I love I love playing the Midwest. You know that's where I'm from, and uh, Chicago and Detroit always take good care of me. Yeah, and then you're going to Toronto uh, and so on and so forth. Then Cleveland, that'll be neat for you. You're back home. You never you yeah. never went you never went Cleveland. You went Cincinnati. Well, I was always back close to the Cincinnati. Uh, okay. So. We were more in the uh, TV market at Cincinnati. We grew up on Dayton TV, so okay, we were in that market more so than Cleveland. And um, last question for you. You know Peyton Manning, obviously. Uh, you're a fan of his. He is leading legend to a 7-1 and start in fantasy football, but clearly yes. Jamal Charles has helped, too. He's been a house of fire. Yes, he's been very good. Um, all of that said, the Bengals, do you think they can get past – the Chiefs and the Broncos, who clearly you're very well versed with those teams because of your fantasy interests in their running back and in their quarterback. Do you think by it's all said and done, the Bengals have a shot to make it to the Super Bowl this year? You know, I really do because I think defense really matters a lot. And when you have the quality of defenders that they have and then the explosiveness on offense that they can have, um, I think they have a legit shot, you know, they're a legit contender. Now, like every Bengals fan, I know the temper of that optimism with a sense of uh, history. <laughs> but, you know, it's definitely possible, man. Hey, my phrase, if not now, who? And and uh, if, if, if not now, when? And if not you, then who? You know, I mean, exactly. that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's it right now. Hey, there, uh, there you go. John, thanks again. I really appreciate you coming on. Send our best to your, your wife, who was bouncing off the walls when she came in. She was really concerned that she was going to come on this podcast and we were going to quiz her on, like, the 4-3 defense of the Cleveland Browns. And she was really concerned about this. She's like, what, what am I going to do coming on? We spoke about Seinfeld for a half an hour, about your wedding plans for 20 minutes. She's a, she's a, awesome. You married a great, great lady. Yes, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very, I'm very, very pleased with my decision. No buyers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't keep the receipt on that one, huh? Good for you. Let's tender our best, will you please? All right, take care, guys. You bet. Thanks for doing this. That's John Legend on the Rich Eisen Podcast. It's hard to imagine anybody cooler on the planet than John Legend. The guy's got it going on pretty much. The Beacon Theater, uh, Chrissy Teigen. Think about it. Mary think about Italy. it. This guy grew up in a blue-collar family in Springfield, Ohio, and has made it, hit it. He's, he's, he's in his mid-30s right now. He's a Penn graduate, an Ivy League graduate. He goes from Springfield to the Ivy League. And he's 
doing songs with Alicia Keys, Kanye commercials West. with LeBron, Kanye West, right? I mean, winning nine Grammy Awards. And he's married to Chrissy Teigen, who we have met in the flesh, and she is beyond cool. And here's, here's, the, uh, here's the ultimate test of, in my mind, of Chrissy Teigen's coolness is my wife loves her. There you go. <laughs> okay. So, Susie thinks she just like, you know, she seems like really cool. And well, we were sold when she was dropping all that Seinfeld knowledge. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, it's just some women, you know, have have an in for other women sometimes. I'm just saying <laughs> that's a delicate way of putting it. <laughs> delicate way of putting it. <laughs> I've got to go home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, John Legend, and he couldn't be cooler. And he's more down to earth. Man. You're man crushing on Legend. Uh, who can't? Yeah. Well, he's been on the show before, so I know. We but kinda... I mean, still, still though. And I, 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 I feel ago, bad. I feel bad. I sort of went all Michigan on him a little bit when he was talking about the Ohio State schedule and how it's not really showing if they're battle tested to win it all. I just had to and stay I took, silent. Well, I took it. So. I took it to mean that he was going Albert Breer on us here. Oh. And I'm like, what are you like? Uh, the Big Ten schedule's not not good enough. Yeah, John? I think he I meant mean, out, out of conference. But then that's what he meant. He was sort of criticizing his own program, right? For because he said we're not playing anybody out of conference. That's and I'm like, but you're the one who's scheduling all that. And he goes, I know. And I felt bad at that point in time. <laughs> not everybody's me. Albert Breer. There are some <laughs> Ohio State fans who are rational well, and sane. Tom, Tom Self. Tom Self of, is very, of NFL Game Day Morning. Right. Rational, sane. Can keep it in. Can keep it in. The inner monologue can stay in a little bit. So you're conditioned. To the Breer style, I am right now, and, and I got to get out of that. It's affecting you. And, it's a, and, it, yes, yeah, correct, yeah, and I've got to snap out of that before. I was November. fuming on Saturday night. <laughs> oh, oh we know you were. <laughs> well, how would you know if you don't follow Breer? Because this guy sent me a couple tweets that he sent. Some I did. Images yeah, like and, the we are, and then tweeted at well, me. Well, it was just like really you're up, you're up eight thousand points, right. and you're mocking the other teams. It was chant. just really funny that in my timeline, within seconds of each other. Law tweeted and then Breer like and it, so on my timeline they were back to back. Oh, so you take a picture. So of I it? took a picture yeah, and I tweeted it out. And then that and ran me down. Law. That ran me down the, the Twitter path of looking at Breer's other tweets right. and then becoming infuriated even more. But while we're on this subject, and before Willie Geist calls in, I mean the Bengals. This is now part of the discussion we're going to have. Certainly with Denver on a bye week now at seven and one, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs, the Chiefs this week. At eight and zero, shockingly, right? I mean, amazing. The Chiefs now at eight and zero, and they this week in week number nine, the Kansas City Chiefs are at Buffalo, which is no gimme. I mean, this Thaddeus Lewis is balling, <laughs> and is. that defense can hit people. They're just not putting it together. I just don't think they've got enough weapons to stay with teams. But this one, this one is not easy for Kansas City. Mm-mm. Because Kansas City's not one of those eight no teams like the the Packers when they were eight no in their Super Bowl season or when the Saints were eight no in their Super Bowl season. They're not blowing teams out. They're finding ways to win. Correct. They're overcoming the mistakes, the few mistakes that right. they make, and the other teams are making the mistakes in the end. And you got to chalk that up to their defense. Of course. So this is not easy. 
And with the Patriots at six and two with the smoke in the mirrors and Tom Brady with his with his flotation device for a throwing hand. Man, oh man. And bless him after the game saying that he says he's not hurt. No th- there's nothing to see <laughs> you here go on. You can see My his gosh. hand is swollen. My gosh. That that's it was grotesque. And he's he's putting that glove, uh, what is it, comp- it's probably a compression glove to keep the swelling down while he's on the sideline. With all of that, now, that's going to be part of the discussion this week. You'll see it on our show, I'm sure, and you'll see it on other football shows yep. if you dare to watch it. Are the Bengals for real? Can you put them in the AFC mix atop this conference? Andy Dalton is balling out right now. Looks like our friend uh, Jerry Ferrara might have had one half of his Super Bowl prediction correct. Well, maybe. Larry David is is a happy man right now. Yeah, because he put he chose the Chiefs. I don't know. I sort of shamed him into choosing something well, else. It too. We all we all kind of chuckled and threw out the Texans, but he really meant the Chiefs. Yeah, look, they're and, gonna be nine and zero so, when they play the Broncos. Cincinnati is on a short week this week. You'll see him Halloween night to kick off Week Nine on, on NFL Network Thursday night, and then they have a whole mini buy off for their visit to Baltimore, which is absolutely without a doubt the only team that can catch them. I think in this division. The Steelers may put something together, but they've got five losses right now. I mean, they're 500 at best. And, and Cincinnati has six wins. They're the two seed right now if the season ended today. Cincinnati? Yeah. Well, yeah, because Denver, and that's the whole thing, too, is that you've got to throw one of those teams out, Denver or, or Kansas City, out in terms of the playoffs for a bye week. Yeah. And the only teams that can maybe catch them, Indianapolis, and we'll talk about them coming off a bye. They're at Houston this week. Cincinnati at Miami at Baltimore with a week and a half in between. Home against Cleveland bye week. These are all three winnable games for them. Eight and two. I know Cleveland beat them earlier this year. That was when they had Hoyer. This is a different story. I know Campbell looked good, and I think he's going to be better than Whedon. Man, eight and two, seven and three, worse. Are the Bengals for real? Heading into the bye. Heading into a uh, heading into a bye, they could be. With you're right, defense? eight and four. They're not going to be eight. And f- they, they they got three games. No, I think they're going to be seven two? and two. I think they win in Miami. You give them maybe a loss to Baltimore. That's two and one. That, you know, that would be eight and three going into the bye. Wow. So there you have it. You know. Well, they were talking about it's legitimate to they discuss. Were, it. They were talking about being you know that top AFC team in hard knocks and the Jets. The Jets, they can't. They they have not won back to back games in twenty seven games. They Ooh. can't put anything together right wow, now. What a stat! And, and the Jets just got thumped. It wasn't even close from the bench beginning. Their first it was overall pick over. Bench Mil- They benched Milner. He's just he's a big problem. Man, he is a big problem right now, and he's not doing anything. But Sheldon Richardson is. Their other first-round choice is a monster. Yeah, him and Wilkerson just, are really good. Yeah, they're yep. but it doesn't matter if if Marvin Jones is going crazy, nutty. If Marvin Jones is catching four touchdowns, <laughs> right, and AJ Green gets three catches for what he had a, like a buck nineteen, that's tough because that defense is really, really good. Andy Dalton eleven touchdown passes in his last three games. Yeah, he's looked great. Grateful. Well, whereas, whereas before in the beginning of the season, you could kind of point to him as maybe being the problem. He was missing a lot of throws. After their bye at San Diego, home for the Colts, that'll be a big game. That's going to be a big week, week 14 12? game. Oh, week, 14. week 14, CBS has it right now. Oh, I don't no know way. what NBC is currently sitting on. I'm not going to get into that right now. But if I was CBS, I, I, don't think, I think they're done protecting games. That's a big one. That's a huge one for for the AFC home AFC field. Home, it could yeah. be for all of that stuff. Uh, then they're at Pittsburgh, home for Minnesota, home for Baltimore. Think about it, guys. Wow. 
and the 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 Jets at four and four, two games out of first in their division, the Giants at two and six, two games out in their division. Unbelievable. <laughs> The difference between the AFC and the NFC East, to say the least. Well, the Eagles are still one game out. That's what's insane. Unbelievable. That NFC With East. maybe Matt Barkley starting this week. The Giants are on a bye, getting healthier. Who knows, right? With Dallas doing its usual end game, head-scratching scenario play, making play-calling cluster F. And with Washington going down in um, Denver. The question is, is, does this leave the door open for the New York football Giants? That's a legitimate question. They're two and six, two games out, and we have a big time Giants fan on the line right now from New York City, co host of the Today Show. You also enjoy his work on MSNBC. It's Willie Geist on the Rich Eisen podcast. How are you, Willie? Rich Eisen. Good to see you, man. I'm finally got to get a chance to talk. Yes. Yes, your G men are uh, two and six. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that puts you two games out. Of it the does. Division. It does. And you get Dallas at home. Coming up Dallas, soon. Dallas at home. I mean, you look down the schedule. I, a couple weeks ago when things were bottoming out and they were being compared to the Jags and the Bucks, <laughs> I looked down and I identified maybe three more wins of the season. Yeah. Minnesota was one of them. Yep, you got that I, one. I did not have at Philly. This was pre-Vic injuries and all that. Yeah. Now you look at, like, Oakland. Okay, there's a win. Dallas at home, you like to think. You like to think in a perfect world you could steal a couple from the skins. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're patching together in a horrible division. Maybe, maybe like an eight and eight somehow, some way, seven and nine playoff berth. Yeah, never. Hey, listen, Seattle won uh, won a playoff game as a seven and nine. That's uh, right. A division winner a couple of years ago against New Orleans, as a matter of fact. And the Giants are on a bye week now, and their next three are at home. They're home yeah. against Oakland. Home against Green Bay on on a Sunday night, so good luck there. Yeah, I don't see that one. Uh, but they're they're home against Dallas. I mean, even if you go two and one in that one, right? It, that, that puts it, you three, what it, three and it, four and seven. It's it's stunning. And and when you think about where the team was, I'm not. Listen, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes. They're still pretty. They're still pretty a bad team. But if you look at where they were a few weeks ago, when Eli's throwing three picks a game. They're running for 68 yards a game, and they can't stop anybody. Mm-hmm. The the possibility of like two and 14 was right there. <laughs> Three and 13, it was right there. And now, I'm not suggesting the New York press is fickle, but the back pages are like, <laughs> "Hey, the old Eli's back." You know, Coughlin will not be denied. The old warrior. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, they can do it. Well, what do you think has been their major problem? Do you do you point the finger at? Uh, um... Anybody in particular? At all? No, I'm. Unfortunately, I'd like to be more sports talk radio-ish and just live game to game. But <laughs> long view for me is Coughlin got us two Super Bowls. Eli got us two Super Bowls. Uh, yes, I, I'm a New York sports fan, but I'm still grateful for that. Um, they need a running back, right? And their defense just hasn't been what it's been in the past. The Eli Eli's had a bad season, but when you have to throw on every down, you're going to throw some to the to the other team. Unfortunately. Um, so, you know, he, he, Eli hasn't been good, but I don't put as much blame on him as some people do. And yeah. I just think they can't stop anybody either. They can't run the ball and they can't stop there. anybody. Their sacks. I mean, they did have six on the season coming in, and Philadelphia's offensive line and Matt Barkley and Vic, too, helped with four. The Giants had four yeah. al- alone. Matt Barkley is going to help your sack stats go up a little bit. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a stat patter. We he's, like to have him around. Yeah. It's, just, it's hard to watch, though. I mean, we've had some valleys, but I've been a, 
I've been a Giants fan since I moved to New York when I was five years old, mm-hmm. 1980. So I came up in the LT, Phil Sims, Joe Morris, Harry Carson era. And, you know, you're in it every year. Mm-hmm. And then we had this last run over the last six to eight years. So to see, like, to be not just bad but pathetic is kind of hard to watch. It's it's like being a Jets fan, Rich, I <laughs> <you say. laughs> See, that's spoken like a Giant fan right there. From high on the mount, you know. I know. Looking it's down. Hard. But, you know, that's, old, that's that old honeymooners line. You've got to remember the people that you meet on the way up because you're going to meet the same people. I, I've never. On the way down. I'm, I'm a Yankee fan and a Giants fan, so by definition, we're supposed to look down our nose at the Jets and the Mets. You know what? I, I, I was a smart kid. Uh, my, my brother got me into sports, and, yeah. um, and so he's a big Met and Jet fan. So okay. I would watch football games with him, and I got into the Jets, but learned early on. Um, in the Bob Apodaca, um, you know, <laughs> era of the New York Mets uh, back in the day, the Pat Zachary era of the Ooh, Mets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going deep. Frank Tavares era of the Mets that I, I needed to go get my wins somewhere. And, yeah. and Reggie Jackson was hitting home runs at the time there at pinstripes. So I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I so mean, you like hedged, you hedged your. Jets bet with the Yankees. Bet, I did, which was wise. I did, wise. I did, but it's still to this day. Um, there's only two teams that emotionally affect me because I feel like I'm, I've 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 evolved as an adult, <laughs> as a 44 year old father of three. You know, there's Michigan football and basketball. There's sure. co- collegiate, but that could be under. I mean, college stuff you always throw away. Professional sports. The Yankees are the only team that emotionally affects me. Like I get That's really it. angry. So, like, the Jet stuff, you, it just rolls off you. Well, I mean, yeah, right. certainly with the job that I've had for the last 10 years, you know, right, you got to root right. for good games as opposed to teams individually, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And the, the thing we don't get credit for as Yankee fans either is mm-hmm. because you and I are roughly the same age. The 1980s were bleak, and everyone forgets that. They were. They think we were born with silver spoons in our mouth. I mean, after 1981, when they lose to the Dodgers in the World Series, yeah. they didn't go to the playoffs again until 95. Steve freaking Kemp. Yes, Steve Kemp. Steve Trout. Steve Trout. Third. Bobby Meacham. Pags. Steve Balboni Paul's, coming up. Paul Zuvella. Paul Zuvella. I can't believe my, my, my Red Sox producer is not chiming in on this front right now. What do you want me to say? That we're one win away from the World Series? When? Now he's talking about the Red Sox. Now, oh yeah, oh, I mean, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, okay. I know. I was staying out of it. I was letting you guys enjoy your Yankee moment. <laughs> <laughs> your walk down memory yeah. lane. My, Rich, have you noticed? And I've noticed this in my friends. The Red Sox fans have become everything they claim to hate about Yankee fans over the last decade. I'm not. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going <laughs> to. Look, I mean, the horse. This is what I said to someone else. Yeah. The horseshoe up our rear end. Mm-hmm. The last ten years, I'm not ready to take it out. And so I'm going to enjoy it like you guys do. You should. <laughs> it is, I guess, a century's worth of payback that yeah, you're getting right now. Yeah, pretty much. But still, as, as um, Albert Breer, one of our reporters who goes at me because he's an Ohio State fan, uh, he tweeted at me um, the other night because I, I got in his face about something because he, he tweeted a picture at me from the Red Sox game, game two, and he's like, where are the Yankees in this picture? And I said, uh, 24 championships ahead of you. 
That's how I responded. <laughs> then I got a lot of people from Red Sox fans saying, "Well, well, actually, we've won seven. And I'm like, "Well, we don't we don't count the ones." Yeah, come on, you know. And by the way, they didn't count it either until they won. You know, when they needed Correct. the argument, they used to say, "Oh, we haven't won in a hundred years." Here's my philosophy: if it happened before the League of Nations, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> that's my philosophy. That is really good. That is a smart. That's a smart way to look. Don't you at think it. before if if it happens before Archduke Ferdinand was shot? I like this. You know what I, I mean? I like this. I was going to go I, teapot dome scandal in 23. <laughs> <laughs> in 23, but let's go back to League of Nations. Yes! I like that better. Come on! Back when Babe Ruth was a pitcher, guys. That's right. <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day when they were, you know, trading him for, for Broadway starlets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, but the Patriot fans um, this week... You know, our our love and life. They're six and two. Uh, do you do you with your Yankee fandom and the fact that the Giants got their two championships against the Patriots? Do you take a special yes. joy in that, Willie? Let me answer your question. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> well, especially when you ruin the eighteen and zero season. You know, it was nice to be there. Patriots probably the better team, mm-hmm. but when you can just spoil the joy that was right on the doorstep for mm-hmm. all of New England and just sweep that rug out that had been building up since August. There were a train that couldn't be stopped. And then little David Tyree and slow Eli Manning getting out of the grass <laughs> and heaving one up there. That, that felt pretty good. That felt pretty good. And, and so now, you know, we can dine out on the two titles. They came over Boston, and we can uh, suck for a while. That's what's happening. <laughs> well, it's still, you're only two games out. You're only two games out. I know you're a Vanderbilt guy. Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on Jay Cutler? Jay really? Cutler, he's one of those guys, like the John Starks rule that I used to have as a Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't on my team, I would despise him. <laughs> but he is on my team, and Jay Cutler has been on my team at Vanderbilt. And I have a soft spot for the Bears because I was born in Chicago and my family's all from Chicago. But okay. I think um, he gets more crap than he deserves, um, just in terms of being, you know, the, the questions about his toughness, not going back into the playoff game and all that. That guy gets hit as much as anybody in the NFL, as he proved a couple weeks ago. Again, um, you know, I... I I wish he didn't have the outward persona he has, probably. I wish he didn't have the hangdog look because, listen, dude, you're the quarterback in Chicago of the Bears. The whole city wants to love you. You're dating somebody famous. Life is good. Go the Brady route. Don't go the sort of sourpuss. (laughs) I'm not interested in any of this route. Embrace it. You should embrace it. the fame. I know. And then I guess Brandon Marshall and he – Chris Law, is that true? Did they have a a little, I guess – pounding of the heads against the lines a couple weeks ago that we didn't even hear about? Yeah, Brandon Marshall was on Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago, and they asked him about Des Bryant's blow-up. Yes. And, you know, you would never do that with Jay. And he's like, well, actually, I kind of did. Really? It's it's good. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's play it for Willie. Yeah. Yeah. We love the... This is uh, Brandon Marshall on Waddle and Sylvie. Okay, here we go. Okay. You're not talking to Jay the way that Des Bryant was talking to Tony Romo yesterday, are you? Yeah, I did. You still do? In Detroit game, I did. You did? Yeah, I was pretty mad at Jay. I, yeah, I ran the dummy route six plays in a row, and I wasn't happy about it, and uh, we kind of got into it. It was pretty cool, actually, because it was our first big fight in a long time. But, and so <laughs> We didn't see that no, play it, out on camera. No, because it was one of those, uh, dang, I wish, you know, this is the thing about Reddy. You can't really see the, you know, me acting out, because I, I do want to be an actor. But it was one of those things where we were walking back to the sideline. We both know that the cameras is on us, so we have to do it kind of in a discreet way. So we're walking by each other and just like going at it but nobody else know but us and i mean it was bad what i take away from that is he wants to be an actor that, that was 
my big takeaway. <laughs> he wants in on the action game. How do you pull off a fight without without the camera without seeing anybody it? noticing? How I don't know. Maybe they did because usually you know coaches have the play call sheet to block their yeah. their lips yeah. and right. But I guess they, they're lucky the cameras weren't on them. And that's a very unfortunate name. It's a dummy route too, by the way. Yeah, it is. And he had to run it six times in a row. That's just insulting. But is it? it but is that Jay Cutler's fault? Or is that no, that, that's trespass? Where you're calling a place here? Maybe he wanted to check off and throw to his to Marshall. I guess I don't know. I don't know what he wanted out of that. I don't know. I, but I don't know. What's what's the view like inside the league on Cutler? Like, well, that, I that, know people don't love him. That but that, that he, is he respected. I, he's a hell of an actor, Rich. That's all. It's I know. Right, you know, he's in the acting game. <laughs> yeah, because he was on the league. My producer Chris Law was uh, on the was in a uh, a scene with him and Kristen Cavallari on the league. Oh wow! On oh, FX. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, you should see. I mean, Chris is really. You've been acting a little strange lately. You know, I gotta, I gotta be honest. You, I protected Kristen. I got felt the small of her backs for a second. It was out of there. It was good. Ooh, Dude, <laughs> now you're are you crazy. serious? Did hey. you? Because well, the no. cameras didn't catch that either. Jay, g- Jay gave me approval for that maneuver, you know? Oh. <laughs> what is the matter with you? A lot, Rich. But, a lot. D- does the view inside locker rooms of Jay Cutler, though, match what we hear in the media? Like, I don't are, do know. Do people think he's like a bad guy and he, do- he doesn't play hurt and all that stuff? I don't do know, because like- he doesn't, he doesn't, he's, he's sort of Belichickian at the yeah. podium, you know, where yeah. he, he'll shut you down. Like, you can't, there are a few people, Willie, you know this too, and what you do for a living. And you know your your what your dad stands for and has stood for 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 decades in this business too. You can't ask yes or no questions to certain people. You shouldn't That's ask right. him at all. Period. That's right. But if you ask a yes or no question to Jay Cutler, he'll shut you down, just That's like Belichick. You, you got to ask something pointed. You got to ask something. Because he's like three steps ahead of you, and the media, I think that that doesn't really help him in that regard. And That's why I wish he would just just give me some just once in a while. Give the press a I little know. twinkle in the eye. Give him something to back. Say, yeah, I'm going to be difficult, but I've got, there's something underneath this veneer. He kind of did with that NFL commercial. Yeah, with the NFL yeah. commercial with the with the ladies, uh, you know, and yeah. and Garza wearing the gear and the ladies complaining. And he's very funny. Yeah, he's yeah. funny. He's got it. But yeah, maybe he's got the acting bug there. But imagine if you went for the charismatic route. You're the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. That's a good place to be in life. You know what I mean? It is. You could ride that train a lot of places. Yeah, as Josh McCown will attempt over the next four weeks. Good old Josh. Yes, he he will. (laughs) You know? So tell tell me about your time at CNN working with one Kara Henderson, Willie Geist. Oh, Hendu. Man, I so I worked right out of college. My first job was as a production assistant at CNN Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. which you may or may not recall. I do. CNNSI, um, as they called it. Yes, that's right. SI. We existed, I think, all told for five years. <laughs> yes. Uh, we were going to take down ESPN, as so many others have stated they were going to do. Yes, we felt well, we felt the pressure. <laughs> we know we know how those stories generally end. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I was a producer. I was a line producer, field producer. And then Kara came along about a couple of years into my run there. And then when the network went away, they kept a small group of us there to do sports for CNN. So, if, you know, if there was some transcendent story about Tiger Woods or something else, we, we were the sports department of CNN. So it was basically me, Kara, and about two other people. They, it was so demeaning. They'd taken away all of our studio space in our newsroom. And they put the four of us in what used to be the old graphics room. It sounds like Office Space, that movie oh, Office Space. They're taking was. away your stapler. It was. <laughs> it was. They put us down in the 
heating and cooling room eventually. <laughs> and they basically, we had to do, even on the weekends, we had to do these news, like sports updates for headline news. So it would be me and Kara at midnight on a Saturday night, <sighs> staring at each other, getting ready to do a 90-second cut-in. We said, what the hell are we doing with our lives? <laughs> I mean, she had been co-hosting the flagship show with Vince Cellini. She'd done great. Yeah. She was one of the stars, so they kept her around. And we just sit there and stare at each other and, you know, wait for the A's Mariners <laughs> extra inning battle to end oh. at four in the morning oh. sitting in Atlanta. I have it been was there, man. bleak for a while. It was bleak for a while. Although the one moment we did have, we were sitting in the room when the fax, yes, the fax machine fired up and it was the police <laughs> report and we hadn't heard nothing about it yet that Kobe Bryant had been arrested in Colorado. Oh, Eagle, Colorado. And we were like, is this the same Kobe Bryant? What's going on here? So that was the first word we got was a, a hot fax off the CNN sports printer. Did you break and, news? Did you break in? Yeah, yeah, we got in. We got in on it, and it was like we actually had something to report beyond the, the uh, A's taking the rubber game of the three-game <laughs> set with the Mariners. <laughs> we had, like, real news. But she she was too good, and they she couldn't put up with it anymore. I think she left shortly thereafter. Yeah, I mercifully left a, a year or so later. But we we fun. I mean, we sat in that back graphics room and just chilled most of the time. Yeah, she says she has nothing but great things to say about you, Willie. Yeah, seriously, she, she loved she she loves the she loved those times. Mrs. Sneed, as she is now known. Of Mrs. Yeah. Sneed, I know, I Mrs. know. I got to get that right. I still call her Henderson. That's or Hendu, Hendu. Hendu. I, I like that. I like that. That's very 1986 um, ALCS of you to call yeah. Hendu. I was going Alan Henderson. Uh, oh, sorry. Indiana. <laughs> wow. nice. Indiana. I like it. Yeah, I like nice it. Mid-range jumper on him. So then know? how did you get from there to, to NBC? How did, how did that happen? So I leave CNN. I, I move. The story is too convoluted and it's boring. Okay. But the bottom line is I moved to New York to take a job at Fox Sports writing and producing a show for Max Kellerman. Oh. So it was me and Kellerman. It was called IMAX. Oh, I remember IMAX. And oh, one of, boy. And that, was a big, that was a big show. That was a huge um, venture. That, it, was, it was a big hire for them. It was a big deal. So they, they bring two of the producers that he worked with on Around the Horn. I had worked with previously at CNN. So long story short, they asked me to come work on this show. I'm from New York. My family's here. It was a way to get me up to New York. Sure. I like the guys. So we get up there. We had a blast doing the show, but it lasted for nine months. Oh. Nine months. Um, so that was, that was not that long ago, and we were all unemployed. And then through a strange connection at MSNBC, the president of the network had just hired Tucker Carlson to do a nightly political show. Mm-hmm. He knew a few of us through odd channels hired us on a freelance basis this is phil griffin no it's rick kaplan who, oh yeah who's, remember yeah he's been uh, been all over the place and so rick kaplan hired us freelance to put together a show for sports guys fresh off the recently canceled imac on the fox sports net <laughs> to do tucker carlson's political show it was kind of an insane thing for him to do but he did it and there having been fired and then hired I jumped into news, and that was the moment right there. So I was still a producer at that point. I was still working behind the scenes. And then um, we started doing a segment on Tucker's show where I came out of the control room, literally threw my headset off, ran out for like the last four minutes and just um, messed around with Tucker about what we'd done in the show or stuff we left out of the show, you know, kind of a a gimmicky bit that we did every night. And Mm -hmm. it grew from there. But it's like it's one of those things. You probably have this, too, when people come up to you like, so what's, what's the path? How should I do this? 
and you're like, you couldn't begin to follow the path. Yes. Most, you know, and you're pro- I mean, most people in our business have the same story. It's very rare when you do the like, I went to the small market, then I moved up. And there's always some twist that no one could ever. Well, that was my story. Reproduce. I mean, I went to small market. I was in Redding, California. Uh, yeah. the, the, and and Sports Center hired me from there. ESPN hired me there. And the the only twist is that the reason why I got my job in Reading is it, it was open, and I applied for it. One of my colleagues from Northwestern Medill School of Journalism Graduate School was already there pushing for me. The news director had no interest in me. He wanted to hire the number three TV guy from the CBS rival in the Chico market. Oh, oh. Okay. Got to look out for that number three. And my station, have I, have I, I, did I tell this story on the air? I think I told this story I think on we the had Katie before. on, yeah. Okay, but anyway, long story short is the, the station, the ABC station that I was applying to, uh, KRCR Television, the spirit of the North State was what they called themselves, <laughs> and they emblazoned that, that statement on their news cars. And oh, wow. and it was a fleet of white Ford Escorts that you had to take to the scene. You couldn't drive your own car. You had to drive one of their cars. Of course. Because they needed to let everybody know in Reading or Chico who was on the scene. Who was breaking, breaking the, the news. news. Yes. Who was live, local, and late breaking, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> the guy you wanted to hire had two outstanding speeding tickets, and my driving record was clean. Come on. The guy he wanted to hire was deemed uninsurable. I was insurable, and he was up against it, had to hire somebody, and I got the job. And the rest is No, that's the twist. the car insurance. So when people tell me, what do I have to do to get on the air, I'm like, stop at every red light. (laughs) Don't roll through the stop signs. I've got, got another one for you. I was still doing that Tucker gig where I was primarily a producer, Don Imus had the three hours in the morning on MSNBC. His radio show was simulcast from 6 to 9 a.m. Right. every morning on MSNBC. Right. He goes on the air in April of 2007, decides to weigh in on the Rutgers women's basketball team. Oh, my. And in the space of how long did that comment take? Four seconds? He changed my life because he got fired, obviously, a few days later. And that opened up three hours on MSNBC. And they, when I tell you they were pulling people out of the hallway to go host, they were. They, they were scrambling. You go do an hour. You go do an hour. It was insanity. And so that opened three hours. And once that all shook out, it ended up to be me, a producer from Tucker Show, sort of as the sidekick to Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. I didn't really know either of them very well. They threw the three of us together. That became Morning Joe on MSNBC, which is um, the show I still do. And so in the space of that Rutgers women's basketball comment, my life was changed. I mean, I was at the point I was producing Tucker's show, and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know. I love this. Should I go to business school or law school? I didn't know what I was doing. Imus talks about the, the team, and that was it. So it's like another one of these moments in time that you just – sometimes they just run up in front of you. Dude, you and now you're on the Today it. Show, Willie. But, you're on uh, the thanks, Today Show. Thanks to the Rutgers women's basketball team. You know what I'm saying? I wow. mean, it's unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. But you're – I mean, seriously. I mean, talk about brands. You know, I'm fortunate to work for – have for two, you know, ESPN and the NFL. Yeah. You want to talk about brands, NBC News and the Today Show – is is a gold standard in many ways you know and and have you looked around every now and then and just (laughs) you know know? the 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 first time 
I, I had done pieces for the Today Show after a couple of years on Morning Joe, and I helped out. And then one day I get the phone call. They said, hey, um, you know, can you come in tomorrow? And I said, oh, sure. You know, what do you need me to do? Like read the news or something? They said, no, Matt's off. And I said, well, okay, so you, you want me to do what? <laughs> I don't know. Like it wasn't in my possibility set that they were asking me to host the Today Show. I asked them like 10 different questions. Oh, so who's so uh, Al's moving over, and you want me to do the weather? They're like, "Hey, hey, dude, we want you to fill in for Matt." And I was like, "What?" So the, that was—I don't know when that was—four or five years ago. And there is a moment you're sitting there next to Meredith Vieira of TV fame. Oh my yes. God, there's Meredith Vieira, and you're going through your scripts, and then the music comes up, and the animation you've heard in your living room your whole life comes on, and it's like. Wow. Okay. This is it. so you kind of you've been there. I'm sure you've been there for all the stuff you do, and you kind of just swallow that down for a couple seconds, and then gotta go, go. do your do job. Do you get nervous yeah. then? Are What's you that? nervous that that first time? Were you really the nervous? First, yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. The first time. But then, I mean, as Rich can attest, something kicks in and you forget where you are. You gotta go. You gotta, it's like that scene go. from Hoosiers. You know, the, the rim is still the same height over the floor. It's just the, the fieldhouse is a little big. It's true. I think about that scene and all the time. Scene? Oh, I, all like, the time, Willie. That is that is appro- that that scene is appropriate for every day of my life. As is the scene where I say this all the time, where Coach Dale says, "There's I got my team on the floor. There's yeah. four guys out there, but yeah. there's a team on my floor. That's my team, and I'm holding up my game plan to the howling masses that are think that you're out of your mind." Yes, just that's gotta, right. That that one too. I totally agree with that. I'm glad to hear you say that because that that is the the ten foot rim thing. It's like all right, you're hosting the Olympics or you're doing the Super Bowl pregame show, all this huge stuff. And you're yeah. like, this is still the same thing you do every day, man. Just it, you know, it is. Lock it out. Rims ten feet. Rims but, ten feet. But you, know? you you grew up around it though too, though obviously with your dad, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I did. And he, I mean, he does something different though. You know, the the daily hosting thing is different. He gets to go out and do these great pieces out in the country and write him in his voice and tell his stories. But yeah, I mean, he, he kind of, his example was, was what convinced me that I, it, it was a, not only a worthwhile thing to do, but a fun thing to do, you know, to, to travel and to meet people and be around interesting things and places. And so he's still doing it. I mean, he's been there almost 30 years at Incredible. CBS. He is so, a first rate all time storyteller, your dad. Thank you. He, he's, no question. he's great. He, he's a, uh, his health isn't what it used to be, but he's still out there doing it every week. He gets on these planes and connects to three little cities to go to a state fair somewhere and comes back and puts an amazing piece together every week. It's so crazy. did you grow up around Charles Corral? I mean, did you did you did he come yeah. over to the house? No, he was so Charles Corral was um he's the one who convinced my dad to come from the New York Times where he was a columnist and to do his thing on TV. Yeah. So I would see Charles. He was never at our house, but I, you know, I'd see him at holiday parties and I'd go to the studio. My dad used to actually go in live to throw to his stuff. So you get to go in and Corral, just to stand off stage and watch Charles Corral. He's every commercial <laughs> just ripping cigarettes, ripping cigarettes. And it's like three, two, and he blows that last puff out. <laughs> Fires the smoke right past the camera, and bang, welcome back, reads the lead-in to the next piece. Oh, like, man. I mean, just just a guy comfortable in his own life. <laughs> and, of course, he had the other We found other out stuff how many lives is he comfortable yes. in. <laughs> yes.
<laughs> yeah, you know, he was he was on the road in that Winnebago. If uh, you will. More than we knew. You know, the more funny thing knew. is, back when I, I grew up, as I meant, uh, in Staten Island, and yeah. uh, two of my buddies, we put together a community access show called Blind Alleys. Do we have the tapes? Anyway? It exists. Oh, this exists. The Blind Alleys tape exists. And we called it Blind Alleys because everything was a non sequitur. It would lead you down a blind alley and then stop. <laughs> okay? So nothing really meant anything. And one of the skits that we did for Community Access, Staten Island Cable, Community Access Television. This is amazing. I put on a, uh, unfortunately this was uh, a harbinger, I put on a bald wig <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I was Charles Kuralt on the oh, road. Really? Yes, and they shot me uh, in various places, including going into an OTB. Oh, okay, where I'm Kuralt going into an OTB, <laughs> and then another one where I'm driving through a Wendy's drive-through, and I literally did order food. Like this is what he does, you know. He's on the road. He's got to get. <laughs> he's getting fast food. <laughs> And the other guy who was on this one, Willie, uh, is my, my, my high school buddy from years ago in Staten Island, James Rosen of Fox News. No way. That's yes. your buddy? Yes. Who, who was the one who, as we all know, was uh, this was yes. part of this whole craziness with yes, Attorney General Holder. Yep. So if he really wants to get in trouble, we have these wow. tapes from back in the day. He was the one shooting it. He was in the he was shotgun while I was Charles Kuralt. That is incredible. Like all the stuff Kuralt did that he didn't show you in the Winnebago, <laughs> ducking into the OTB. <laughs> Here I was. And by the by the end of it, you know, we didn't have any money or any budget. Like the the bald wig was falling off my head. It was terrible. We did <laughs> another a- ten minute skit where he was Tom Brokaw and uh, in the in the Yankee booth when I was Rizzuto, just out oh. of my mind. Oh, don't get me started about Scooter. I love him oh, so yeah. much. One last oh. story, because I, I could sit here and talk to you all day. Uh, James and I and a bunch of our Staten Island friends went up to uh, Skydome on my 21st birthday to celebrate the Yankees at uh, Blue Jays. This Remember is, who was on the mound? I do. I do. Of course I do, because we got there late. Wait, and, give me the year, and I'll guess. Uh, okay, so I was 21. This was 1990. 1990. Yes, um, 1990. It just... Uh, just graduated from college, 1990. 1990, okay. Um, just turned 21. Yankees? Yankees. It's not. Was, was Jimmy Key dealing for the Jays at that Jimmy point? Jimmy Key was not dealing for the Jays, the but a Cy Young candidate was dealing for the Jays on that day. A Cy Young candidate was dealing. This is post-Dave Steve, isn't it? Nope. Not I'm trying the, to think who, yeah, beat, yeah, this is post who Dave beat Steve. my Phillies in the 93 Or series. Steve might have been around or kicking around still. Right. Not Moose. He was still an Oriole. Oh my gosh! Come on, I can't so, This was 1990. 1990. Okay, the, the road. It was not a good matchup for the Yankees, and we were nervous to get there on time. And by the time we got there, the game was over essentially, just one inning in, because we got a room in the right field, Hilton oh, that looks there. overlooked the Skydome. Yeah, we got the room, so we we're going to watch from the game, and we figured we'll just go out and and get some accoutrement when we get in there. We had no idea up in Canada that you can't just stroll in at any store and, and buy a long neck or, or 10. Right. You know, right. the government sells that stuff. So it put us behind the check-in, and we finally got in, and we were, we were about eight outs into the game, and it was over. I'll just tell you, it was Pat Henkin on the mound. Oh, I was going to guess sure, him. For the Toronto Blue Jays against Scott Kamenicki, everybody. Ooh, Scott, Scott Kamenicki. Okay. <laughs> wow. So James is a very talented caricaturist. I don't know if you know that about 
Uh, I do not. He's no. very talented. So he brought all of his markers with him because we wanted to create a banner to hang out over the oh, I see the, yeah. the room and get on WPIX Channel 11, which had as its announcers Bobby Mercer, Tom Seaver, and Phil Rizzuto at the time. Right, right. So we set our VCRs at home to tape the game just in case we were going to get on. <laughs> and sure enough, fourth inning, we're on. But none of us know, and half of us are asleep. We drove 21 hours to get up there, and Scott— you slept through the game? No, we, we, it was awful. <laughs> Willie, Scott Kenny hit me, which is what we called him, gave up, I think, like six runs in the first. It was over. It was over. Henkin was mowing us down. We were bummed. We're like, we drove 21 hours for this crap? So we, we're all of us sort of like our hands and our faces, half asleep, watching the game, and sure enough, we're on TV. And what James drew— he drew, he drew Seaver, who's one of his childhood idols, on the right side, and Rizzuto on the left side. A perfect caricature. I do still have this at home for sure. And the thought bubble coming out of Tom Seaver's mouth was save the one-way toll, which was about the Verrazano Bridge at the time on Staten Island that was, right. you know, was going away. And the thought bubble come out of Rizzuto's mouth was, holy cow, they speak American up here, Seaver. <laughs> <laughs> and do we have you seen the tape of Scooter reacting and to it? We saw the, the tape, and Rizzuto's in oh. the booth, and they show the banner, and Rizzuto goes, "Holy cow, I speak American up here, Steve!" Like he read it under his breath, <laughs> <laughs> and Mercer's next to him, and we're sitting there thinking, "What's he going to say?" Pause, and Rizzuto goes, "You know, I had the best salad for lunch today, Mercer," <laughs> 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 and he's off. <laughs> I wow. love that man. My, <laughs> wow. my my dad and I, we have so many favorite scooter stories, but one that he did repeatedly, and that's why we always come back to it. They would show it'd be him and Bill White in the booth. Oh, of course. And they'd be they'd show, you know, he's looking at his monitor. He's not looking out on the field, and they'd show a shot of somebody warming up in the bullpen. And so Scooter would be looking down at his monitor at the feet of the the bullpen, and he'd say, "Oh, White, looks like the Yanks got a new pitcher in there." And every time White would say. Nope, Scooter, that's the bullpen. Scooter, th- <laughs> Scooter thought that was the shot of the new pitcher who had entered the game, even though the game was happening on the field right in front of him. And White would always say, no, no, Scooter, that's, that's the bullpen. <laughs> Did you ever get the book where somebody took what he said uh, in the booth, put it in prose, verbatim, and it's called the, uh, it's called, I guess, I think it's called The Prose of P.F. Rizzuto. Have you ever seen oh, that book? No, no. Yeah, I go look it, at though. it. Somebody would take what he said on the air, verbatim, put it in sort of, like a haiku sometimes, and some of them were laugh-out-loud funny, and some of them were poignant. I mean, it is incredible. Go look that up. There's oh, a book that's out there. That. Yeah. He, he had another great one where the, uh, there was a light rain began to fall in the Bronx, and he said, we thought he was kidding, he said, White, i got to go out to the car and roll up my windows. And sure enough, he left the booth to go out to roll up the windows on his car. And White <laughs> called the game alone for half an inning. <laughs> Scooter, Scooter came back up there, oh, got those windows up. I mean, come on. He, come on. It is incredible. I love I, that. So, I, uh, By the way, my guess was going to be yes. Dave LaPointe. But the, it wasn't Dave LaPointe. <laughs> it was oh, close, but no cigar. Ah. Close, but no cigar. Um, so before I let you go, you are a friend of this program, uh, Carson Daly. Um, yes. is now he's sitting in the orange room yes, he is. of the Today Show. He is a big Raiders fan. Uh, when he comes, when you guys come off the bye, 
I, I don't know if there's going to be anything going. Do you guys talk much sports on the Today Show set? Is there much going on on that? There's, front? you know what? He's a uh, he, he's a welcome addition to me because he's a he's a genuine sports guy. Yeah. Because Al's not a huge sports guy. Matt like Matt's good. Matt likes sports, but he's not like crazy about it. He's you know he's an adult and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he likes to peg it up, though. I mean, I know he likes to play. He likes to play. It, oh but. yeah, no, he's a great, he's a great golfer. But yeah, no, we Carson and I, I've got two weeks to prepare now, so we'll yeah. we'll trash talk. I'm just worried Terrell Pryor is going to run 93 yards on the opening uh, play of the game uh, for a hey, touchdown I, against us. I I would be a little frightened of that myself. We can't have that, and we can't catch him because we're the Giants this year. Willie, I really appreciate you uh, giving so much time. This has been fun. I knew it would be. Carol was saying for for weeks, years, you guys got to get together so i appreciate it i've been a fan for a long time so let's get together in the flesh i love it well the super bowl's coming you know that's right we're i'll com- be over there we're I'll coming over to there good okay fantastic rich thanks man you bet thank you willie geist of the today show morning joe on msnbc you're also on twitter at at just flat out willie geist right yeah is that what it is? Flat willie out geist. willie geist okay at willie geist joining me on the rich eisen podcast that was fun we gotta have willie back on i mean um He's a, he's a fun guy and yeah the SI days with Kara that was, that was yeah good stories interesting stuff he's I, hitting it big man good for him I saw he covered the Masters when we have him back on we'll have to ask him about that have you ever been to Augusta no no okay I have not I don't think they'd ever want me there either no they probably have forgotten but back in the day I did a, a on Sports Center I made a, a joke little, made a joke I mean when they were going through that whole craziness um, Hootie Johnson right. And, Everything going on with allowing women in, and they they came out with this survey where <laughs> thought I brought they, this up <laughs> where they um, asked apparently random people their thoughts on the subject, and the results were so stilted in their favor that somebody walked into the sports center ideas meeting and handed the results and the questions and the answers and I sat there in the room and just read them verbatim reading it verbatim people were on the floor laughing so I said what if I we take six or seven of these and I go on the air on sports center and read them but I'm wearing a green jacket and I said I can go home and get like a white dicky <laughs> And you full you because you had a white dicky in your home. closet. Yeah, sure. Like for the like for I think I went to Steinbrenner one year as a at Halloween or something. <laughs> nice. So I got the white Uncle Eddie dicky, from, uh... and then you put like like a blanket over my lap and uh, green screen me in front of a fireplace and play like this music. Sold, and I did it. It was called Master's Polling Moments, you know. And I would read one. And then it would Butler dissolve. Cabin. It would dissolve to, you know, like a shot of a forest. And then it would dissolve back in. And there I read the next one. <laughs> I think I might have been smoking a pipe. I gotta look this the up. The green jacket that I wore. I think it was the. It's the green jacket that Berman wears on Baseball Tonight. It's not every coming year. up on YouTube. I'm looking yeah, right I, now. <laughs> ESPN would take it down. And I don't think they were too pleased because they were trying to get the Masters rights at the time. It created a big stink in management. And yeah, but that that got that okay in the meeting, ago. though, right? It, it got, did, it got but, okay. I, I, but it didn't go up far right. up enough the chain for it to get spiked. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> if great. If they kept running that up, the ESPN flagpole. It's your invite's been it lost in the happened, mail man. <laughs> to It wouldn't have happened. Is that on a, a sports bucket list for you? Like, what do you have left? Um, I would love to go to an Olympics. I've never done that. Ah. 
Augusta would be great, of course. Yeah. When the hell am I going to go to Augusta? I don't know. What do you think you would shoot at Augusta? Oh, God. I once played congressional in D.C. Um, eight days before U.S. Open there. Okay. And... So tough condition. Were the so greens like concrete it still? Was, no, the greens were not yet that crazy. Yeah. But they had yet to cut the rough. Ooh. So it's even longer All right. than it was. So it was longer. Oh. And I was finding golf balls that were not mine just by merely stepping on it and rolling my foot on it. <laughs> wow. And, and it, was, it was 18 inches off the fairway. Oh, that's Unreal. Brutal. I wrote I wrote a column about that on ESPN, the magazine, actually, about that experience. I think it was called "The Very Long Walk Spoiled," is what the the headline was. <laughs> nice. I, I shot I think like a buck twenty eight that day, and proud of it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, by the way, during your interview with Willie Geis, I fired off an email to Staten Island Community Television asking for oh, some archive have footage. They won't have it. They won't so have it. Uh, we'll see if it. that comes down. Keep trying it. The line that won't happen. <laughs> that, that that would be amazing. I have got a copy, and um, and I uh, and I think my two other buddies, Paul Golan, and uh, and what I don't think I don't, I don't even from? know if James has it. What year would that have well, been? Well, James from? works for Fox News now, so I, I I think he's burned any possible copy of that. <laughs> you know, but um, what year was this? Late eighties, early nineties? Oh, this was uh, early nineties. Early nineties. Yeah, I don't even have any of my of my college. College stuff, and this was before college for you guys, right? No, post. We're oh, post, class of okay. 1990. But thanks, thanks for asking. <laughs> no problem. Uh, let's pick games, guys, and get out of Dodge here. Yes. Um, where do we stand? Where do we Where do we stand? I got a two-game lead on Law. Uh-oh, that's no good. For uh, overall Hold here, on a minute. Like. Here we go. Well, you still need to get yours updated from your missing Yeah, picks, you've got to which... add three more to me, Law. You said you were going to get on that. Yeah. Did did your college football duties uh, prevent uh, you from lifting the phone and calling somebody? Kind of like. Or just turning around in your cubicle with all your NFL.com friends? Th- you know, there's got to be somebody literally behind you or next to your desk who can handle this, right? Those are mo- those are more the upstairs, uh, you know, behind the scenes people. I gotta, I gotta walk. Regardless, that would put you f- uh, four back of me and two back of Law. Well, Law and I both went eleven and two this past week. Yes, we did. And Chris Bachman um, nine coughed I, up two games right there. I did. So you know what screwed uh, me too? You got to add three game? more to me. Add three more to me, and I'm two behind Law and four behind Chris Brockman. You right. got to add those three, Chris, because okay. no, well, there are some apparently people on Twitter who are paying attention. I to know what, there what, are. what we're doing here. And I don't want to be known as like one of the worst prognosticators a lame, a lame here. Duck, yeah. I'm gotcha. not doing very well on my own, but I, I you know, I don't yeah. want to be penalized just because I I was too busy to get three picks in. Let's choose pick uh, week number nine picks. Um, um, let's, let's start. While with, you're looking, let's, let's give some love to our leaderboard. Should we? Overall. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Our our overall uh, REP leader. Let's pull this up here real quick. Is uh, this guy's 91 picks. He leads everybody with 1,250 points. Right. Uh, and then we have a clear-cut second place as well, Duper 85's picks with uh, 1,230. Then it kind of jumbles up a little bit with a few others. Okay. So congrats to those two guys. Very, very good. Um, let's now uh, pick some games. Uh, let us start with Chargers-Redskins. I already gave my pick. I said I can't ride with uh, Washington anymore. Anybody? Neither can I. It's just – and the way the Chargers have been playing, Phil Rivers looks good. They Ryan Matthews is suddenly running the football. I got to go San Diego. 
Um, just because I think I can steal one on this one from you two. You're going to go Washington. Uh, I'm going to go Washington. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think RG3 wow. falls to two and six, which, by the way, let's not forget this. That's where they were last year? Is of interest to Rams fans because the Rams get their number one overall pick oh, still yeah. from the RG3 trade. Wow. That is correct. So the Rams might darn well pick top five. Twice? May do it again. That would be insane. Has Keep any this team... in mind as the as 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 the Rams season goes along. Keep an eye on what Washington does. A team couldn't even have done that five years ago with the rookie. And Sour think Cal. about that. If if Washington just falls apart, the first round's not going to give them any help unless they trade back into it. And but, if the Rams, with Sam Bradford's knee, if they choose to go in a different quarterback direction. I don't think they will. You see how involved he was on Monday night? I got nothing to do with that. It's a tough game, man. I don't know what they're thinking about their uh, evaluation of the quarterback group. Do you want to pick the Titans, Rams? I was thinking about that one. Go for it. Titans off a bye? The Jeff Fisher Bowl, yeah. The Jeff Fisher Bowl. Man, their defensive front line is tough. I'm just worried about Zach Stacy and if they can actually put the ball in the end zone. I'm going to go Titans. Law? Yeah, I'm going to go Titans, too. Jake Locker back for the second week. Rams Clean on a sweep. Second Clean sweep, man. I, I just It's a quarterback-driven league, and I love just you. don't believe in Kellen Clemens. Love you, Kara Henderson, but... No, we, we, absolutely. Go listen, absolutely. This is, we love Kara's uh, an all-time favorite around here. This is business. It's what not about? personal. And, and, and again, I, I just don't believe the offensive coordinator is, is the right... You and a couple guys on that set with you, too. I just, again, that fourth down play... I know I'm not an offensive mind, and I know I'm, my, my dad was a French teacher, not, not, <laughs> not a head coach in this league. But you can't let a defense like Seattle, no pre-snap, you only got to worry about one aspect of this play. Don't worry about the run. I'm sorry. Um, what Chiefs about- Bills, Chiefs Bills, Chiefs Bills. Does anybody out there think the Bills are going to hand – the Chiefs, their first loss of the season. Is there anybody in this room? I will raise my hand and say, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. Oh, wow. wow. Chiefs are not going undefeated this year, people, and their only loss is not coming to Denver. Where else is it going to come? And they have just shown the last few weeks that that if they're waiting for somebody to pull it out in the fourth quarter against them, and the defense comes up making plays. I get it. Western New York is no cup of tea. And they played. They played Cincinnati really tough at home. They played a lot of. Teams they played tough New at England home. really tough at home. Yes, sir. Having said that, I'm rolling with uh, Mr. Kool Aid. I'm rolling with Andy Reid. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the Andy Reid. I, I hope the Chiefs run the table. I think that would be the, one of the greatest stories in the NFL. Okay. I just want to make sure. Before we move on, I just want to make sure I didn't just pick a game in Toronto. <laughs> that would change it. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. That would change I just it. want to make absolutely sure it's Ralph Wilson Stadium. I'm sticking with it. Okay. No offense to. Uh, Let's keep no, an eye no on offense, that one. No offense to uh, whatever they're calling went, the, the Sky Dome. 9, 9.57 a.m. I can switches. see that toggle moving over <laughs> to. Uh, me? Yeah. No, no. No, no. Okay. I'm not going to switch okay. it. How about Falcons-Panthers? I'm taking the Panthers. I yeah. took the Falcons last. I took the Carol, uh, Cardinals last week. You did. I'm sorry, man. I took the Cardinals last I'm week sorry. too. That was where you and I kind of got one. Yeah, and Matt Ryan has finally come on the record. He doesn't like the Matchel. 
He rolled his eyes even when Mooch brought it up. The natural? Yeah. Go so seek out that video. They gave, rolled it on me at the end of He gave you props for trying, though. He gave me props for trying. Yeah, he gave you props for hey, trying. Hey, listen. I tried. You tried. I mean, make it a clean, clean sweep. I love Maddie, but okay. not the way this um, season's going. Patriots-Steelers. Patriots and Steelers. Let's not forget the Steelers should be three and four right now. If their if their kicker even made one or two kicks, it would have been overtime. Although the Raiders would have what, probably their, done something different with the ball at the end of the game if what, they were if they were tied. Maybe. What's their kicker's name again, Rich? Sean Schweikum. Oh yeah, there we go. I mean, you are what your <laughs> record is, Rich. I'm, I'm of course I'm rolling with the Pats. Okay. Whew. That um, makes two of us. I'm yeah, I, I think I got this one. I can't take the Steelers. Okay, so let's choose uh, Colts, Texans. Anybody taking the Texans off the bye with Case Keenum? Yep. He, they, he hey, he looked pre looked really looked pretty good. good. Looked pretty good in Kansas City. I would like him to throw to DeAndre Hopkins this week. I'm taking the Colts in this one. Yeah, me too. I still think they're the better team. I do too. I feel like I this is see... a letdown for the Colts. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the switch here. And there I'm you gonna go. Take the I want to see something out of their running game. There you go. That's like... the NBC game. And does anybody think Josh McCown and the Bears, coming off the bye week, gonna win the game in Green Bay and Lambeau? I do not. <laughs> Me neither. I'm taking the Packers. The NFL's oldest rivalry. No chance. I know. Which means you really throw the records out on this one. Right? No chance. Okay. Ro- Rogers and Nelson are heating up. Very good. Do you have an international shout out? I do. Go for it. Oh, if you want to tap dance for one oh, second. Oh, good lord! I mean, we were. I just... want to thank John Legend for being the man. Thank you. Uh, everybody should go ahead and uh, see him on tour. He's coming here. Yeah, he's uh, at Staples Center. No, he's at the Nokia. Oh, Nokia. That's... Yeah, he is. So I want to thank John Legend um, for coming in. Go to johnlegend.com December to find out 1st? his tour dates. Yeah. Also, please go out and buy his album, Love in the Future. Current single is All of Me. Follow him at John Legend and his lovely wife at Chrissy Teigen. Follow her, too. Why not? It's a family Check out affair. that LeBron commercial, too. Well, Pretty cool. I want to thank Willie Geist for phoning in. At Willie Geist, everybody. And uh, Jordy Nelson. Is he on Twitter? Uh, yes, he is. Jordy R. Nelson, I believe. But let me verify that real quick. There we quick. go. Have we tap danced long you, enough? You guys do a great week of tap dancing uh, go for it. all the time. At at. T-B-S-B-R-L-E-N. Tobias Eberlin says, can I get an international shout-out for a Raiders fan? He's listening to the Eisen podcast while driving to the German Bowl on the Autobahn. Wow. It's pretty impressive. I love that, man. Thanks, Tobias. Appreciate you. That's a great international shout-out. Off a Raiders win. Going on the Autobahn listening to this nonsense. (laughs) Don't crash. we got to make the push for the podcast in England, in London next year. That, please. That'd be, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Rich is like, I got three kids. No chance. No, that, nothing to do with that. Take the fam. Take them on a nice little year. Should, should I show you on the phone of the picture I took of the bathroom at the Renaissance in Cleveland where they put us you up? Did. <laughs> you did show and me. You think we're going you to show me that? <laughs> <laughs> Tweet that out. Uh, Keep that in. At Chrysler, we can't end on that. This was a fun show. It was this great. This was a good show. This was great. I want to thank uh, Stacey Garcia and the rest of the booking crew, uh, as always, for this show. Uh, at Chris Law, good to see you. Thanks Rich, for this. At Chris Brockman, I'm at Rich Eisen for At The Eisen Podcast. What do you got? Next week's guests. Uh, we got a pretty good uh, in-studio guest, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Mm. Jim Brown? Jer- Jerry Rice himself. And Dr. Oz. And Dr. Mehmet Oz, yes. Dr. We'll be, Oz. Will be on the wow. show. And yeah. potentially... A call-in from uh, Prime as well with Jerry. 
Oh, because they're going to be promoting the uh, yeah, Pro Bowl. the new Pro Bowl. They're ah, coaching. Ah, very, very nice. And by Excellent. the way, go Red Sox. Let's wrap this up this week. Uh, yeah, I think you will. Enjoy that one. Thanks, guys. You mass hole. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Rich Eisen Podcast. Hello, me Cookie Monster. Yeah, me always listen to the Rich Eisen Podcast. It's me favorite podcast. Yeah, me listen on NFL.com. Oh, and it's also on iTunes, just in case you not know that. Oh, me going to go listen right now. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, friends.